Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Tom, and I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, William. Um, Stephen, unfortunately, cannot make it with us today, uh, but we are joined by longtime friend of the show, Mark Newbold from Jedi News. Hi there. And we also have a newcomer to the show, Amanda. Hi, glad to be back. Yeah, thanks for coming back after the, the last episode. Uh, we reviewed Life Debt. And Mark, it's great to have you on the show as well. It's been too long. Yes, it has. I know. I've, I've uh, been looking forward to doing this ever since you mentioned it. So Yeah, it's been a while. L- since looking forward to getting yet. stuck in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, should be fun, I'm sure. Should be. Exactly. And and we'll have to get you on for an actual Rebels review as well. But I figured since Celebration in Europe is in effectively your backyard, uh, it would be good <laughs> to have you on and get your thoughts on the show as well. Because I think you're, what, an hour away or so? couple of hours yeah a couple of hours north so Still, well, i seem much... to spend more time in london than anywhere at the moment so yeah <laughs> and it's much closer to the rest of us who flew you know uh, uh pretty far distance to to get yeah. there so yeah um i guess i was going to start off I'm, I'm curious how does so this was my first um celebration outside of the u.s uh, i think this is what the third or fourth overall there was it had it in london previously uh yeah. in germany um in, in Essen and then uh I think in Tokyo, right? Yeah, Japan, yeah. Uh, yeah, in Japan. Uh and now we're back in London. Um have you this is this have you been to the other European celebrations or uh, I'm guessing you were at the pre- the first celebration in London. Yeah, I was at the first one in London. That was my first big sort of Star Wars convention uh, of any scale really. Um oh, nice. and then did didn't do Japan sadly. Did did do Essen though. Although Brian from Jedi News uh, he told me the other day that he actually went to Japan. I had no idea. But really? um yeah, yeah, it just kind of came up in conversation like really you went to Japan? Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> did and did Essen which was fantastic. Um what was that 3 years ago now? So yeah. and then and of course this one so Very cool. How does it compare? I'm, I'm curious cuz you know the rest of us have not been to uh, any of the European celebrations before. So how does this compare? It seems really massive. There was a ton of people. Mm. A lot it of was funny. Yeah, this one was a weird one, really, because I think going in there was a bit of trepidation because so many things were announced really late. Mm-hmm. And and obviously the announcement for Orlando was made before a lot of things were announced for London. So there was a there was a there quite a few weeks where the, the sort of the UK and European fan community were quite miffed, I would say. You know, it felt like it, this, this show was being kind of sidestepped for for you know looking ahead for orlando but i've got to say the last couple of weeks before the show the excitement ramped up and then other things started coming together you know there's things we were doing that that we were occupied with that that seemed to go okay and then the cantina thing came together everyone was excited about and then all the guests came and, and in the end this felt as close to one of the big american shows as any big european show i've been to so it, it came out really well i think in the end yeah i totally agree um I mean, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I'd heard from some people that, you know, the European celebrations are a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, but I'm not having any experience, though. I mean, I, I got there and it was it was definitely smaller. But, I mean, celebration is usually so massive anyway. There was so much to do, tons of amazing content. It still had a huge show floor. 
and I was really impressed by the by the size. I know I think people kind of um, downplayed just how large it would be, or maybe they didn't expect it. Um, so it was it was fantastic. So much excitement about uh, the Star Wars films and and the the whole uh, whole franchise. Oh, I agree. Yeah. It was only that last few weeks of, of promotion and the new news coming out and all of the things that were sort of being added uh, that talked me into going at all. I wasn't going to go. And um, William kept poking me. Like, <laughs> you're so close. You're so close. You could be here. You could come. There are still tickets. And then the more I paid attention to it, finally, um, I, I bought my tickets on Tuesday to go on Friday. Wow. And that's airfare and everything. Wow, right before uh, it sold out, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gl- it's amazing that you were still able to make it. I, I uh, hadn't planned it on either, because I was like, oh, you know, I had to fly halfway around the world. Is it really worth it? Uh, and then I'm like, you know what? It's Star Wars. Of course it's worth it. Yeah, yeah but also... <laughs> Why William, not, you, right? You can also look at it this way, William. It's like almost a once-in-a-lifetime thing to where how many times can you say, I went to, I went to England for a Star Wars celebration, because you've done how many in the States right now? Uh, all of them since Celebration 3. Yeah, so yeah. if I had the opportunity, I would have done it too. Exactly. So I, I, I went and I, I think I booked my, my tickets about five weeks before, and uh, totally worth going. I'm so glad I did. It was uh, it was fantastic. Um, I, I'm curious. What, what, yeah, sorry, Mark, were you going to say something? That, that Rogue One panel was worth getting up at four in the morning for. Like, yeah, so... I, Oh, it was so good. Uh, so I was actually going to ask you, what were your favorite moments? So the Rogue One panel, I think, for you was your, your favorite, Amanda? Well, it's funny. My my actual favorite moment was not something I was physically present for. Um, it was when Carrie Fisher let it slip to Adrian Gutierrez in the Star Wars show that she plans to be involved in uh, Episode Nine, which means Leia probably doesn't die in Episode Eight. Um, that was my favorite <laughs> moment. But yeah, no, that that moment that uh, Ben Mendelsohn came sashaying into the convention hall with his cadre of stormtroopers with the theme music playing and the full-on Calrissian cape, that that did it for me. That was <laughs> that was such a great moment. What, what about you, Mark? What was your favorite moment? Um, wow, there was lots of cool moments. Um, those moments were definitely high on the list. For me, it's always the little. Um, personal catch-up moments you know the the stuff sort of outside of what's being presented at the show but but speaking about what was going on at the show i think the rebels panel was fantastic uh, and mm-hmm. that came over really well and as you've just mentioned the rogue one panel was just top draw um i didn't get to enough things it's always the way when you we're involved in running the podcast stage so there's always right. you know running around and trying to cover things and catch stuff but um yeah, I would say that the Rebels panel and the Rogue One panels were the two that really did it for me. Um, yeah, I, was, I came out of both of those with a pretty big grin on my face, I think. That's awesome. Yeah, so you, you mentioned the, the, the podcast stage. Uh, tell us a little more that, about that, because you, uh, with Jedi News, actually hosted a bunch of fan podcasts on this this awesome little stage in the uh, in, in the exhibit hall where people could come up and listen to the podcast. And it was, it was awesome. Um, how did that come about? And tell us how you think it went. Yeah, it, it came out, it came over pretty well, I think. I mean, early days when the convention was being organized, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that Mary Franklin wanted, one of the things she was conscious about, obviously now Mary used to work for Lucasfilm and now works for Reed. Um, Mary's was, great. Yeah. Was that, 
the size of the of the convention was physically smaller. It was going to be smaller than Orlando or Anaheim. So so space was kind of at a premium. And the XL, I mean, you know, William, because you were there, but the XL mm-hmm. is laid out very differently to the places that we do the cons in the States. So, Definitely. for example, at Anaheim, there was a lot more levels. There was a lot more rooms, separate rooms you could put things in. The XL is not built like that. All, all the rooms and stages have to be physically you know put together for the convention so right it's basically one long skinny convention center <laughs> yeah um with all on effectively the same level pretty much pretty yeah. much was so you know so you've got different logistics to consider so one of the things that mary said was we went to her very early on because in the uk it's slightly different with with, with the rebel legion and the uk garrison which is our division of the 501st and the galactic academy which is the kids costuming group and jedi News. we all work together at conventions all the time we're seeing most of the guys tomorrow actually as we speak at london film and comic-con so you know we're always bumping into each other at places all over the all over the shop and the uk has got a lot of people in it but it's geographically pretty small it still takes forever to get from a to b but that's just that's just england but mm-hmm. you know we, we do work together a lot so one of the things we wanted to do at this convention especially was work together as a unit so for the first time you've got the rebel legion and the uk garrison uh, and the other two groups, Jedi News and Galactic Academy, all coming together. Four clubs, one force was was the the strap line, if you like. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Mary wanted was uh, a podcast element. So what they had decided already was that the UKG and the Rebel Legion wanted to do talks, costuming talks. So we had a meeting about seven, eight, nine months ago, something like that. And um, my I was the one that stuck my hand up when they said, who wants to organise the stage? I said, I'll organise the stage. So in terms of scheduling, so I'd got a pretty blank slate. So I worked out how many shows we'd have per day. It was up to me to, you know, to, um, uh, to invite shows to come in. So my MO, my thought process was, okay, we're in Europe. So there's a certain amount of European shows that, that will want to be involved. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to certain people in Europe, and there, there wasn't a huge amount of English-speaking European podcasts that that could be involved, or, or that I could get in touch with, or could make it happen. But obviously, we've got our Jedi news shows. So there was a couple of shows I knew we could do there, and and basically, when we worked out the timings, given that you've got to have a handover from one show to the next, or one panel to the next, um, it worked out you'd have 45-minute shows. You probably have, you know, two or three podcast slots per day, but in each slot you'd put two shows. So, and my intent was not just to get lots of shows in, but to get lots of networks mentioned. So, for example, um, the uh, the first slot on the first day was full of Sith and lattes with Leia. So, the logic of that was you've got Amy Ratcliffe, who was doing the behind the scenes stage next door, and and Brian Young. Of course, both of those are on full of Sith anyway. But but because Amy does lattes with Leia for Coffee with Kenobi, it made all the sense in the world for her to inverted commas represent lattes with Leia and the coffee with kenobi network so it meant that you got more networks involved so i think off the top of my head out of the 15 shows that were in those eight slots i think they represented 10 networks so it was just trying to get as many people to feel like they'd got an investment not just in the podcast stage but in celebrations so star wars action news did a show with james who was doing collector's cast for example uh, and, and Riley and Bethany did a Stoll's Report episode with Trisha Barr, who was representing Fangirls Going Rogue. So you're just trying to pull all these little elements together. And I'd like to think it went went pretty well. I think it did. I oh, think the stage, the stage looked great. 
for sure. I loved how you guys did this. Uh, the stage was fantastic, and I, I did show up for a couple of the the podcasts and listen in a bit, and it was. Uh, it was really great. P- people seemed to love it. The there was just enough seating for everybody, and um, you know, you had plenty of people standing around as well, trying to t- trying to listen. There was lots of excitement. So, uh, you did a fantastic job on the stage. Can I jump in really quick? The one thing that I appreciate when it comes to the Star Wars uh, cons, they really get the fans involved because even at Celebration Anaheim, they had the podcast stage, and it seemed like Mark, you had it well organized there in, in for the Britain one. A British one that I, I enjoy it. I think that's great that it's that kind of community that gets into Star Wars and can have something like that to have a voice and people look forward to it. Yeah, that's nice of you to say. I mean, one of the things we try and do um, or, or I try and do at, at Jedi News and, and the podcasts and such is make sure that we, we chatting to folks like yourselves and and interacting with as many people as possible and bringing in as many people as we can because it can be i think sometimes when you're doing a website or a podcast or whatever it might be and maybe not so much a podcast because you've got to get on skype and talk to other people but certainly doing a website it can be quite insular sometimes it's just you Mm -hmm. and the laptop you know so it, it can be easy to not interact mm-hmm. but i think yeah the more and i love the fact that there's lots of new people coming in as well so there's new podcasts coming in there's new blogs coming in and there's new people just wanting to have a say and everybody say is equal so it's nice that i'd like to think it was nice that at, at this celebration you know there was that option for people to get involved and and of course you've they've got to be on your radar you know mm-hmm. if i didn't know about the show i couldn't invite them so and that's my shortcoming not anybody else's so uh, over time you know more people will make themselves apparent and and one thing jedi news has always done and it's something i've i was doing when i was doing lightsaber before was podcasts or other websites or whatever very open to people saying hey i've got a new podcast will you will you link to it on jedi news it's like yeah of course just send me you just send me the link and the and the little blurb you put on each episode i'll do a little template and i'll put it on happily put anybody's on so you know um because i know we get a, a good amount of eyes on jedi news and if it gives somebody the rub and they can push on and you know three years down the line they've got a nice little podcast going and everybody's happy everybody wins don't they nobody mm-hmm. loses out in that one so it's all good i think i'd like to think yep yeah oh for sure Maybe. So uh, I think another thing you mentioned, uh, Mark, was Cantina coming together at the last minute. Were, were you at that? How did that go? Oh, well, you know, I, I, the band that headlined Ash, I, I heard about the gig months and months and months ago. I know the guy, Martin, that runs it, and he told me, because he knows I'm a fan of Ash from way back. Uh-huh. And he's friends. He's been friends with them for years and years and years. And, and for people who don't know, Ash are not only big Star Wars fans because their debut album, 1977, is just shot full of Star Wars references, but they played the rap party for episode one. So, And they're big mates with you. I didn't McGregor, know they played they? the rap party. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so I do remember that um, uh, they were on the in the credits for Public Commando. They played yep. clones. That's right. Uh, that's, that's the one I obviously remember them uh, most from. Yeah, but yeah, that was a really cool party that came together. Not not just mm-hmm. Ash, but um, they also had uh, Blues Harvest and Darth Elvis and the Imperials. Yeah, and uh, in some ways, I I, uh, I I enjoyed all of it. I ended up going to the last minute, but I almost enjoyed uh, some of the other ones more just because they had all the the Star Wars references. Like, um, yeah. tell that to Kendra Club was such a great oh. song. <laughs> That that is so. I mean, I love the I love Welcome to Paradise because I'm a Green Day fan. So when I, when Greg Darth Elvis told me that they were doing this cover, and he just told me he just said that he didn't sing it. He just said the lyrics to me, and straight away the song was in my head. 
you know, and then they go and do it, and it was just, yeah, you're right. And and they've they've recorded, they've released them on SoundCloud, so you can yeah. get Darth Elvis tracks on there. So we're going to start playing a few of those on one one three eight again because we used to back in the day, and then we ran out of tracks because we they hadn't <laughs> recorded any new ones. But they've they've got some more stuff coming. So, but yeah, Welcomes to Candy Club was was kind of brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'll be honest, I had that stuck in my head for a good week after uh, <laughs> after the Cantina. <laughs> okay, I am actually, love that. that was a, I'm looking this stuff up right now. I am. I oh, find it was... very funny. Darth Elvis and the Imperials. Yeah. Yeah. They've they've yeah. played some stuff before, but this one in particular, they had a they had a, some new songs they debuted, and it was it was really great. Uh, I, the only I, thing I liked was Sheev Palpatine. Yes. Like... <laughs> I seen Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, it's perfect. You just listen to it. Just when we finish, just go and listen to it. It's brilliant. Because yeah. Darth Elvis played at the first celebration. They did like a Battle of the Bands thing. Oh, right. And, and there was Darth Elvis, but it was just just Elvis himself without the band. This is before he pulled the band together. So it was just Darth Elvis doing it to like a backing track. Um, and there was another band I can't remember. Then I think they were called Anchorhead or something. But they were like a heavy, full on, full on band, and and they won the Battle of the Bands. But Darth Elvis just got his group together and pushed on. I and, feel like I need uh, to book them for my next birthday. You do. <laughs> yes, and I'm actually yes. looking at the Facebook page right now, and I find it very funny where you've got Elvis, and then next to him you've got Darth Maul, and then a Tie Fighter pilot, and then a Stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, That's they were all playing. Funny. It was because it was Star Wars is for everyone. Oh, absolutely. These guys should have been in Rogue One. They should have been the hit squad. They they missed a trick. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So no, Cantina was a was a great party, and they had some. Uh, they had like a helmet. I think they were put on sale for a charity auction or charity uh, drawing, whatever it was. And um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I missed the beginning, so I didn't get to hear Blues Harvest. Me um, too. I'm so annoyed because David David Collins played with them, and and I've seen some of the videos because some friends recorded some stuff and i was actually at the sound check so i went over to the sound check from from the xl to the o2 it was, it was, you can see the o2 from the xl but it was actually quite a slog getting there you had to go over the cable uh-huh. car and all that um but i got back mid-afternoon and i just i wasn't feeling so hot so i said i'm gonna go for a lie down for an hour i'm getting old i'm gonna have a lie down for an hour and then three hours later james came in the room and said aren't you supposed to be at the o2 <laughs> so i ended up and then we went down there with steve sansweet and if you've ever walked anywhere with steve what is actually a 10 minute walk actually takes an hour because he takes yeah. 10 steps and then somebody goes oh steve can i have a photograph or whatever so that took forever so but um yeah no that was a, that was a very very good night it was it was yeah i showed up late a little too because um i got in on uh i think that was that was wednesday night right or was it thursday night I'm oh, sorry. Uh, it was Wednesday. Sorry. Thursday. That was Thursday. Thursday. Was okay. Was, you, yeah, you're, you're you're right. I know why you're getting confused because in America you have four day conventions. In Europe, it's only three. That yes, and that's that, probably some of it. But also, we are totally it, starting it, a petition to do four day celebrations in Europe. Got to be done. We yeah. Oh no, we totally need a, <laughs> a four day celebration. But I uh, I, I kind of explored London Thursday and Friday. I couldn't remember what was going on. Um, but no, I guess I guess. Thursday then was the sorry Wednesday was the day I went and saw Canary Wharf because it was I took the 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 underground from uh, Heathrow to uh, to the hotel and in the convention center at Excel uh, because I, I wanted to experience London you know and Canary Wharf was one of the stops on the way well it's right and, there and so I'm like I I have to get off did you, I, I'm sure you've probably been there many times before Mark you know uh, I, you know this, the crazy thing is I've been to Canary Wharf station before. Uh-huh. That was before I knew it was used for Rogue One. And, uh-huh. and I'll tell you something very interesting. I've got to say this whilst it's in my head because I've got a brain like Dory, so it'll just drop straight <laughs> out. But, uh, 
and I only say that because me and Ruth came back from seeing it about two hours ago. Very funny <laughs> film. Um, the Canary Wharf. When Gareth Edwards was on stage talking about Rogue, uh, about the Rogue One stuff, and he said we had the we had the station for four hours, and we had to film everything in four hours. We actually uh, over in the UK, a lot of information like that about about using the station. Um, a public station is actually on public record so uh, one of our guys Brian actually did a little bit of delving and did a request an information request freedom of information request oh, and actually, nice. found out, actually found out that they were there for a lot longer than just four hours but saying four hours sounds a lot cooler and that video was so really covering up all the signs and just laying it out like how yeah how I was trying to figure out brilliant I'm a film actor for a living that's what I do mm-hmm. and my guess is that Gareth Edwards was there for four hours. They probably had four hours of decent active shooting time and everything yeah. else was load in, load out, set up, the kind of stuff that the director wasn't in the building for. Yeah, would <laughs> I, I, I would have been surprised yeah. if they could have completely retrofitted that in four hours unless it's oh. mostly you know digital um, you know, replacements. Well, but. and that's not hard to do either. You just drape everything in green and fix mm-hmm. it in post. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah, everything but can it, be fixed it was really cool to, 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 to go there. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of geeked out of it. Cause, like, I feel like I'm in the Rogue One trailer. You know, I kind of I figured out exactly where they uh, where the camera, where they placed the camera for the different shots. And, like, you know, took a photo comparing the two. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun seeing Canary Wharf. And that was before, as you mentioned, Mark, the Gareth mention it on stage during, at the at the Rogue One panel. I'm sure yeah. after that the station was swamped with fans. It oh, was totally. Yeah. It was. I stopped we stopped on the way out. Yeah. And it was so full that Riley and I did not get out of the train. Wow. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> it was really, really full of people and because everybody was leaving celebration at the same time on the same uh, train. Yep. So they all wanted to see uh, uh they wanted to make a little pilgrimage over to the, the Rogue One set. They did. National Geographic here in Germany, the English language version of the channel, keeps playing a special about the construction of that train station. <laughs> really? And I'm just geeking out watching National Geographic. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's where the stormtroopers were, right there. And then they ran that way. And <laughs> Oh, that's pretty great. That is great. So... Uh, any any other uh, favorite moments from uh, from celebration? I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is just Thrawn. Thrawn, oh, Thrawn, of course. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, let's expand that, the universe a little. I loved how 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 they introed that. You know, we uh, they they had um, uh, they had Dave Filoni up there and uh, Sam Witwer and TSR Car, and then um, and they they started talking about season three um some of the big things you know it's like i mean they, they, they revealed a bunch of small things to start with like sabine will have a new gadget and there's gonna have mandolins with jetpacks and that sort of thing well and um, here's everybody's different hair and exactly and how i guess uh <laughs> tia uh, dave asked tia what hairstyle she wanted in season two and then it never happened but the hairstyle now she has in season three will be uh will be the one she requested and, and that sort of thing. So some fun behind the scenes things, but the biggest one by far was that season three trailer. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. The way they introduced Grand Admiral Thrawn was amazing. Tom, what, what did you think of the introduction of Grand Admiral Thrawn? Uh, we got Thrawn. That, that's all I will say. I mean, I was, <laughs> right? well, I, I was worried for a minute there that we were ha- having him introduced within the, um, uh, Windig series because you had that feeling at the end of the first book that who is that who's that character Sloan is talking to 
because yeah. it's the manipulative thing and all the other stuff. And he's standing in front of one of the, the Star Destroyer windows and, and he's playing a game. You could tell that he's like playing with her. So you had this feeling, is this going to be Thrawn introduced in the Windig series? I'm happy it's Dave Filoni who's introducing the character and not Chuck Windig. Well, and then Timothy Zahn's going to write us a book. Yes, I'm very happy about that too. So I actually was one sitting here looking at the uh, trailer going, yay, I am completely stoked they brought him forward into the universe really i am i am super excited in fact i am joining some people from the tashi station podcast and website to do a complete reread of the original trilogy Mm -hmm. and uh, podcast our experiences with that and then um we're gonna read the new book when it comes out and we're all gonna geek out together like the 13 year olds we were when we read it for the first time god you are (laughs) making me feel so old oh me too. God, that, that hurts. That, that hurts. It's funny because I usually feel old. Hey, don't get me yeah. started. But but I yeah I think you're you're totally right. It, it was such a great moment to see kind of Thrawn come out of the shadows mm-hmm. like that, and I think the crowd went crazy. And then they announced that you know Timothy Zahn. They play a special message from Timothy Zahn saying how much he he liked the new yeah the new portrayal of um of which is. Of, of Thrawn, which is actually very accurate to the books uh, for the most part. Uh, and they actually announced that he, Zahn's going to be writing a new Star Wars book all about Thrawn coming out next year in April. So there's uh, so Hopefully much awesome just in stuff. time for us to podcast about it live from Celebration Orlando. Exactly, exactly. Wow, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. What did you guys... Never thought of it that way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I have a PR degree, I think, in terms of media. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mark, what was your favorite moment from the the trailer? Uh, from the Rebels, the Rebels stuff, season three yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be that. I mean, there were so many cool little moments in there, but I've got to say, I mean, watching the episode after, the way that they introduced Thrawn in the trailer was actually better than the way they introduced him in the episode. I think the trailer was beautiful. Um, just the way they just rolled him out, especially with the two Salamiri sort of statue things in the in the shadows, not actually on his shoulders, but they kind of hinted at it. I thought that was very clever. Um, oh yeah, well because yeah. they said that um, the Salamiri is apparently not going to be canon yeah. um, because uh, in George's universe and the the official now uh, canon, uh, they don't want to have a creature that exists outside of the Force. Yeah, um, that also. Interestingly, maybe you think, okay, well, what about the Yuzhan Vong? Then that doesn't sound like something that'll ever be canon because they exist outside of the Force. Um, but but as a nod to fans, they put the Yasilmiri. Uh, they made they did, it's like uh, some artwork of the Yasilmiri and put behind Thrawn, so it looked like it was on his shoulder until he like walked forward a little bit. Yeah. And they did a, a very good job. I, I think Filoni said something as well. He said something really really kind of clever, but but but. On, on the line of what he was kind of trying to say, he said, somebody asked him about, is this fan service? And he says, well, it's not fan service. We don't do fan service, but we're all fans and we like it. So dot, 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 you know. So in a yeah, weird way, he was kind of saying it is because he's, you know, he's the first one to hold his hand up and say, oh, I'm geek, I'll geek out over this my whole life, you know. So it, it was a clever way of wording it. And it, obviously it isn't fan service because they've got, I, I feel my sense is that they've got big plans for Thrawn. Uh, oh, yeah. I hope I hope they've got big plans for Thrawn. Um, if you're going to go to all the trouble of bringing in a character from inverted commas the old EU, then you know you, you want to make it you want to make it work. But but another moment in that trailer, I've got to say, I thought it was very cool. We're seeing we're seeing Wedge. Uh, 
yeah. in the tie fight, yeah. in the tie fight which heart. was like perfect, perfect. Because you know, somebody something I say to people all the time, and I get I always get funny looks when I say it. But and I ask people, I say, what do you think Luke was thinking about when he was stood on the ridge looking at the twin suns? And a lot of people will go, oh, he was dreaming of leaving Tatooine and looking at a, a wonderful future and doing this and doing that. And I says, no, he was dreaming of flying off and joining the Imperial Academy because he was going to the academy. He wasn't mm-hmm. going to the academy to be an X-wing pilot. He was going to the academy to be a Tie Fighter pilot. And, he was going to and, join Bigs. Of yeah, course it was, you know. And, was and of course, the, now that we're sort of nudging closer and closer to Episode Four, you know, and Filoni said it. You know, when well, are you going to start seeing some of that Red Squadron crew? You're going to start seeing, you know, you might see Porkins, you might see Bigs at some point. Obviously, Bigs will come later because obviously he was kind of in the time frame of the original film, but you know what I mean? You know, these, these people are going to start coming into it. So that was, that was really exciting to think, wow, Wedge. I mean, that, that is a big deal. I yeah. actually got more excited about Wedge than I did about Thrawn at first. Like I'm, I'm excited now for the new Thrawn book because the books always turn me on in a way that the animated series just don't. But seeing Wedge, I got goosebumps and like a little verklempt. I won't lie. <laughs> uh, it was it was great. We also got uh, this is not necessarily as exciting as Thrawn and, and Wedge, but we also got a glimpse of of some uh, battle droids from uh, you know the Clone Wars. They're coming back into Rebels as well, so that'll be really interesting to see. Um, and and there was actually a bunch of clips that surprised me that they showed as well during the panel. Um, the, the biggest one was there was that clip of Kanan and Ezra arriving on a space station and Maul calls Ezra his apprentice mm. and sends Ezra off somewhere with some droids and Kanan and Maul start walking down this hallway and they're basically, you know, Maul blinded Kanan at this point. They're, they're talking about it. And, uh, all of a sudden Maul shoves Kanan out the airlock. He goes into space and they cut the clip. <laughs> and it's like, what? What's going on? You know, okay, that's so a I- cliffhanger. So I take it yeah. these clips were not ones that were shown in the um, trailer. I believe no, these were no, these are not in the trailer. But if you watch the live stream, you sh- they, they should all be there. Okay. Uh, or the, I, the, rec- the panel recording. I, I actually, I've been, I haven't been watching any of the live streams. I'm one of those where it's like I was the couch potato, just trying to catch the news feeds. Um, yeah. I should really go back and watch some of the panels, uh, some of the actual yeah. streams. But and, and and for those of you listening, uh, we will talk about we're talking about anything that was revealed in the panels. It's not really a, a spoiler. Um, at, at that point, but um, just just a you know heads up. Um, yeah, because they don't want to spoil anything for me. Are we even going to talk about the secret Rogue One trailer? Uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Yes, we'll, just, we'll finish up some of the Rebel stuff, and then we'll, we'll head over to the Rogue One trailer, which was fantastic. <laughs> there, was a cool, well, there was a cool moment though with that Rogue One trailer. Uh, uh, sorry, with the Rebels trailer when um, Kanan and Ezra got out of the A wing, and an A wing's a one man ship, and two uh-huh. people get out of the ship. You know, and somebody said to Filoni at the press conference, "Hang on, A wings a one man." vehicle and he was like yeah well it kind of suited the story so we made it a two-seater <laughs> sam whitwer to his credit who's like a crazy west end game role player obviously read i've got all the books but i never read them to the deep to the level that whitwer clearly has he says uh-huh. oh they did have, they did have two-seater a-wings they were the training ships so it's like a driving instructor with, with his own pedals you know they did have two-seater a-wings so there you go feloni took that straight away oh yeah that's what this is mm-hmm. so but i thought that was, a, that was just a cool oh one. it was and the dynamic between them because like uh, you know, Filoni was just like, for once, he, we, he, you know, he normally tries to give us an in-universe answer. He's like, no, I just, uh, I just liked it. You know, he's being yeah. like, super blunt, super honest. I just needed <laughs> it. That's that's why I did it. And Sam's like, no, 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 no. And he comes in and like tries to save Filoni, and Filoni's just like, no, I just just wanted it. You know, I just what I needed. 
<laughs> it was a hilarious <laughs> dynamic between the two where Sam's like trying to save him and pulling out these amazing references, you know, from the you know the West End Games books and everything. And yeah, it, it was it was it was a funny moment for sure. Um, let's see well, well, what else. Feloni gets to create it, right? That's that's his job. So yeah, no. if oh, there yeah. hadn't already been a two-seater A-wing, there is now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. I don't know how we haven't talked about this yet. The biggest moment that came from the end of the Ahsoka panel, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but the biggest moment during the Rebels panel, Filoni said that Ahsoka, based because, due to the fan reception after the season two finale, he changed his mind, and Ahsoka will probably be back in Rebels. Okay, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Very interesting Very, how how he's going to play this one off. Yeah, he kind of caged it. Kind of couched as like, oh, you never you know, maybe possibly. I haven't really, yeah, you know, kind of Dave Filoni <laughs> yeah, style. We, uh, we we haven't figured it but, out. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, he said it twice. He brought it up on his own. I think uh, at the beginning of the season three panel. So it's definitely something that's going to happen. I suspect that due, since it's due to fan feedback, we probably won't see her at all in, in season three yeah. or even part of season four just because they, they work so far ahead. But, um, you know, she will be back, which is awesome. Okay, so here's a question in that respect. How did he mention during the panel how long they expect Rebels to go? Because watching no. that trailer, they've got to be getting close to episode four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much longer they can keep the show going. It's a good question. I know. I mean, early on, what, what was the rumor? Three or four seasons? Four seasons was what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, who knows? I mean, they could change it into another show if they wanted to, couldn't they? They could make it. A, I mean, Red Squadron show and and still keep the kind of vibe going. So yeah, exactly. They certainly and run time, it parallel. Yeah. To, I mean, the 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 one of the things that you if you watch the episode four again, you notice it's a very narrow narrative. So it would not be impossible for a rebel season to really run parallel to the events of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Only meeting up with the characters we know as they make their run on the Death Star. Exactly. And exactly. and then walking away from that and going to do something else for the next three years until the Empire. timeline of Empire. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. That's a great idea, yeah. 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 And I think the um, Dave Filoni, other... if you're listening, that would be a really <laughs> great angle to take on the show. You know, you, you actually you actually took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think the the other big piece of news, and I want to briefly. I know Mark, I think you're running out of time, but I want to briefly get your thoughts on the season three premiere of of Rebels. Uh, did you were you able to make that? I was, yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. Uh, the other big piece of news is that, and this this is actually in the premiere, that Tom Baker, the fourth Doctor from Doctor Who, will be playing a new character called uh, Bendu, who's basically like the middle ground of the Force, neither the light nor dark, which is very interesting. And we do get to see him in the premiere. What were your thoughts on the on the season three premiere? I loved it. I mean, obviously Tom Baker's a big deal here because he was, you know, the fourth Doctor and everything. And I, I know for folks in the states, he, he was the Doctor that most older fans remember. So, uh, and and having him in it, I mean, I knew he was in it, and they didn't really say or I must have missed them saying what character he was playing until the show, the episode started. But as soon as you, as soon as you heard the voice, then they, there it was. I love that character. I, I loved, I loved Kanan's, obviously he's had a massive life change. So, you know, he's tentative and nervous and, and things have kind of got away from him, not just because of his blindness, but because 
clearly Ezra's starting to look, to, if not walking down a path, certainly looking down a path that, that, you know, you don't want him to go down. So, you know, there was a lot of, <coughs> excuse me, there was a lot of edginess in the episode. But, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Tom Baker's character in that one. That that really stood out for me. And, and I hope we see Ben do again, not only because it was just cool, but because... You know, it was neat to to hear the name Bendu. That's one of those old, original sort of 1973 first, second draft type words that Lucas came up with. So it's just nice to see, as much as it's nice to see Macquarie stuff getting folded in, yeah. um, <laughs> it's nice to hear those old words and names being used again as well. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I, I thought they did a um, a great job on the premiere, both with with Bendu. I, I could have sworn I heard a familiar voice uh, in that episode, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I asked it during the press conference, and Dave Filoni claimed he, he 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 that wasn't uh, a certain character so i won't won't spoil it for anybody um and then yeah, i have uh, absolutely no idea what you're talking about until the action yeah yeah starts. so i won't and we don't want to spoil the 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 season three premiere as well so we'll just kind of give our high level thoughts i really enjoyed yeah, it tell I me think offline they though, did a great job introducing it. thrawn um and I, I do agree with you mark i think it was more impactful in the trailer but uh but thrawn was just he was the right personality uh in in the in the show he just he felt right um and while they obviously can't reach the same highs as the season two finale because that was like building up on eight years of you know animated star wars television um it was kind of a culmination of of ahsoka and versus vader uh, plus a mall um this one is still a a fantastic way to kick off season three and i'm really really excited for where they're going to go well, so. why don't you look at it this way? It's now that they've done that eight years of buildup, now they can say, okay, we've done this. Now we're taking it and setting it off in a different direction because all that's been explored. That story's over. Now we get to jump off at this point and go fresh. That's the way to look at it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so so that was the, uh, the season three premiere. Uh, any other thoughts at all from, from you guys? I wish I was there. I know. We wish you <laughs> yeah, were there too. too. <laughs> I wish I was there again. I'd, I'd be quite happily be back at Celebration right now. <laughs> it was an awesome weekend. It really yeah, was. Some it, of the amazing things happened on the days I was not president Celebration. So yeah. Next time I'm going all three days. Yes. All four days. It's got to be four days. days. Oh yeah, four days. Better be four. No more. No more of this three day crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It, it's still. Uh, it's you know. It's 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 a fantastic. I think time, we should just uh, ask always. him to make it a week. Just yeah. a full week. Yeah. Yes. Why not? It's celebration yep. month, right? Is that Camp good enough? Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and we all get matching T-shirts and oh, things wow. on drum on stormtrooper helmets. I, I like that idea. Camp Star Wars. Just just don't uh, make it like oh. I'm trying to remember yeah. that whatever camp it was that on the Disney Channel or whatever, or, <laughs> or Knott's Berry Farm with Camp Snoopy. I don't know why that popped into my mind, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, I uh, Mark, I know you have to run, but thank you so much for coming on the show and joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks as always, back, Mark. Pleasure's all mine, absolutely. Any any time, I'd love to come on. And uh, when I when I when I'm not, I'm cooking a steak dinner for my wife tonight because I'm at London Film and Comic Con tomorrow so I feel like I need to put some effort into my <laughs> yeah. my, my cuisine tonight so but uh, but any time you guys need me or want me or whatever I'm happy to do it love to 
Always. So we'll, we'll definitely Thanks, have you Mark. back on uh, this season for Rebels. So fantastic. We'll, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Mark. And uh, we again. can find you. When where can people find you online and of uh, Jedi News? Yeah, JediNews.co.uk uh, and all the associate Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Jedi News 2010 is me on Twitter, and Jedi News Network is the podcast network. So come and give us a listen. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you later. You will. Thanks, guys. Well, all the best. You, Mark. Enjoy your steaks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Okay, so um, so anyway, I guess continuing on with Rebels before we jump into uh, Rogue One and uh, some of the other news, let's quickly touch on the the press conference. That's if that's all right with you guys. We uh, we we had the opportunity to, to to go to the Rebels press conference. This was again with Dave Filoni, Sam Witwer, and Tia Sirkar on Sunday morning, and uh, you know we, we got some interesting information. I mean, they talked more about. Excuse me, the the dark saber that that uh, Sabine holds in the trailer, and how when uh, Tia was holding it, Sam was actually making the sound effects of her wielding the lightsaber. Uh, you know, the vroom, vroom, vroom. Um, everybody does that. They they do, except in this case, like they asked Tia, "Oh, do you do this?" and and she was like, "Uh, you know, not not always. Sometimes I do." And Sam's like, "Oh, I totally do it for her," <laughs> which is which is hilarious. Uh, Sam was in like you know great form during this episode um he was uh um he was he was hilarious kept jumping in i think we 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 mentioned some of that already but uh you know sam's always a pleasure to to chat with um uh, filoni talked about and and sam talked about how you can't really overuse maul um or the threat of him will be diminished it's the same thing we've talked about with vader and the other big characters so uh, you know they they keep evolving him in every episode, and he, he's effectively at this point locked in a loop and can't see a way out. He's constantly rising up to power and getting knocked down, and rising up to power and getting knocked down. And you know he's much more of an individual now, but he's still really really damaged. And so that's kind of how they approach uh, Maul's character. Um, and uh, I, I I think he's done a, a, a they've done a really good job with with Darth Maul. So far, the, the best thing they've done so far is they've kept him interesting. They haven't kept yeah. they, they haven't treated him like General Grievous to where you got to a certain point you knew he was threatening, but he would run away at like the worst time. Darth Maul is always when he gets on screen, it's like he th- there's something else going on. He is threatening, but he's also thinking, he's also plotting, and he's also he, he's he's really coming to his own. Is the best thing I can say about it. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, talking about Wedge and Biggs, um, you know, Filoni brought up how Wedge is in the show because we're getting closer to A New Hope, as we were just talking about, <clears throat> and how you know he talked about how Rebels start off as this this small group, but it's growing uh, bit by bit, and um, you know they, they talked about how much fun it was to bring on Wedge to the show, and uh, they they also mentioned that the crew is apparently obsessed with Biggs uh, and his mustache. Um, <laughs> but he crosses too close to Luke's timeline, so they're they're not gonna they're not gonna really have him in the show uh, all that much. Um, apparently, and the, you know, Sam was joking about how expensive Biggs' mush, that mustache is to uh, produce, and that's why they can't have him on the, on the show. You know, he's he's only half kidding, right? That the texture map for hair is like the most yep. expensive texture map to render. So exactly, exactly, and. Uh, Amanda, hopefully, uh, I won't try to get too much into spoilers. I hope. Uh, I love spoilers. You know, okay. Spoil me. I know you, Spoil you're, me you're, you're still watching. Uh, you're, I know you just started the Clone Wars. I did. You're gonna, I did. It's you're finally move available. Rebels after that. 
in the yeah, in the last year. You, yeah, it's been too bad that you haven't been able to watch it. What what have you thought so far? Where where are you actually in 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 the um, Just a quick. We YouTube. are only about halfway through the first season. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I have a toddler, so oh. television, uninterrupted TV time in my house is special. Understandable. Um, it's but. it's not hitting its stride yet. It will. I, mm-hmm. I guarantee it will hit its stride. Just stick it, with I, it. Everybody says stick with it, and I'm going to because of what it is. And I want, if nothing else, I want the information. It's kind yeah. of like when I first read Aftermath that um, I didn't, I wasn't excited about reading the book, but I needed to know everything that was in it. Right. So that's yeah, how I'm treating I mean, the episodes of Clone Wars before it apparently is going to get phenomenal, which I'm very much looking forward to. It um, will, and you'll be on the edge of your seat the whole time. Uh, you know, it, it, it's never, it, it's not perfect, even you know later on, but uh, nothing is right. And there will be episodes that are like, okay, that, that was decent, and then other ones are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. Mm-hmm. That was so amazing. And so, yeah, I look forward um, very much to that. Yeah, you'll definitely have a lot of that. Um. Heading, jumping back into to Rebels, uh, I'm just kind of going to hit a bunch of little points here. Uh, Floney said that you can't have too many Inquisitor-type characters either at this point in the timeline because, you know, the the fire of the Force has is going out in the universe, right? As they as they say in um, uh, in A New Hope, uh, as Tarkin says. So each season kind of tries to balance, has this careful balance between the Rebellion story, which is Sabine and um, and Hera and uh you know zeb and, and everyone else and then the story of the um the force which is kanan and ezra and they try to balance both of those and they try to have a villain for each one as well you've got you know darth maul and um uh and the uh, uh and thrawn in this case as the two main villains for the the, the empire and the, and, and the slash rebellion and the, and the, and the force um but uh, at this point, you really can't have many more Force users, so the Inquisitors are going to start um, pretty much... They're pretty much gone from the show at this point. I don't know if we'll get much more detail. Hopefully we do, because we don't really... We never really found out where they came from. Well, on top of that, but... they never really explained how many there were, because you did have the titles of the Seventh Sister, Fifth Brother. They never really explained how many of these Inquisitors were out there. Right. Exactly. And And the other thing gets into... Why were they stealing Force-sensitive babies? So that's the other thing. There's so many, so many open questions. So many open questions. But, um, you know, uh, I think they're doing a great job. Maybe they'll answer that stuff later. We'll see. But, um, you know, maybe it'll be in some other form. Because Filoni did say he works a lot with the uh, authors writing the novels and the guys writing the doing the scripts for the, for the films. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a lot more of a collaborative effort, effort at this point. It's a tremendous amount of work, but as Filoni says, it's all in the service of giving the fans the best possible experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, he wants to make it special. And so they, they do a bunch of, uh, they really try hard to, to give us a, a you know, something great. Um, you know, Actually, on the on the topic of the origin of the Inquisitors, Dave said it won't be now. It won't be in this room. It's a great mystery, and some mysteries that are left unsolved that that are left unsolved are more interesting. Uh, I forgot about that quote. Well, I think so, in some uh, cases that works because I've always said when it comes to Boba Fett, I don't know if I really want to have his backstory. I think it was it was like years ago. I really didn't want to have his backstory. I just wanted him to be the way he was, and then it ends up we're finally getting a backstory. Okay, fine, but now it's like. 
th- there's the joke. Would Yoda get a spinoff movie? I don't want a backstory of Yoda. Just let Yoda <laughs> be Yoda. You know, in some cases, you need to have that mystery. It doesn't right. have to always go solved. Well, right. And wasn't that one of the mistakes that was sort of made in the early days of the old Legends universe? Um, between the comics and the books that they were coming out, they really were trying to define and therefore confine everything. Mm-hmm. And it turned into a mess. Yeah. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. I mean, Zeltrons. Really? Zeltrons? <laughs> That's true. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, Amanda, you, you said you don't mind spoilers, right? I love spoilers. I live okay. for spoilers. Great, because um, we're going to get a little bit into spoiler t- territory here. Where So with, with The Clone Wars, sadly, um, it ended too soon, right? We, we, never got a, we never got a completion of Ahsoka's story. And thankfully, she does appear in Rebels again. But we don't really know what happened during the time between Rebels and... Um, uh, Rebels in the Clone Wars. But and I've read the show notes, and it's lots and lots of stuff. Yeah, stuff will happen. See, and, there's well, so there's the gonna be the book right that's there. coming out. Yeah, that's true. There's going to be a book that's coming out, um, uh, Star Wars Ahsoka, in a couple months that kind of details a lot of uh, what happened to Ahsoka. Yeah, and Kate Johnson has been really excited writing this book, so I'm excited to see what is in it. Yeah, yeah, me too. But uh, the, the, the it, was, it was actually fantastic. They kicked off Star Wars Celebration with the panel Ahsoka's Untold Tales. Uh, and it talks all about um, uh, it kind of basically they opened up the doors basically and told fans exactly what they were planning for the rest of the series uh, of the Clone Wars and what Ahsoka Ahsoka's arc would have been um, which was really exciting and thankfully I uh, I got to this panel just as it was starting. Uh, this is the first thing in the morning, and you know we were in line. We 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 got our wristbands for uh, the panel, which I think um, I think actually the new queuing system works pretty well. Uh, I'm sure as you remember, Tom, at previous celebrations, you if you wanted to go to one of the big panels, you know you'd get in line to get into the convention center, and once you're in the line, you went straight to the panel you wanted, mm-hmm. and some people would line up. You know, uh, the night before, or 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 spend all day in line, uh, just so they could go see Mark Hamill, or just so they could go to the Rebel screening or something, and they'd waste their whole day at the show, and if, it was totally valuable for them, and and they enjoyed it. You know, mm-hmm. there have been I've spent many hours in in lines, but it's kind of unfortunate because you miss a lot of the other great stuff that goes on. I hate to say this, like Comic Con Hall H. Okay. Exactly. If you want to go to Halt H at Comic Con, you're not doing anything else. Yeah, that's right? right. That's right. That's that's what you're doing. Period. Well, they tried a new thing this year, which I really enjoyed. It was a new queuing system, so you could line up at any time of the night, and at six o'clock in the morning, they would start giving out wristbands for the celebration stage panel. So all the biggest panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other stages they didn't give out wristbands for, but at the celebration stage, they give out wristbands starting at six a.m. And once you had your wristband, you have a guaranteed seat in the in the in, in, at the panel in that hall. And there um, were overflow ones too. So when they ran out of wristbands for the main stage, mm-hmm. they would stream those big panels. Some of them, not all of them. Exactly. In, it's like into Rogue the other one. halls, mm-hmm. and you could yeah. get a different wristband. It's like right. I saw the Rogue One panel in a different room than William saw it in. Mm-hmm. Right, because you were yeah you were hopping off your plane, rushing to the. The convention center. I was. I was. I was um, in a cab while you guys were getting wristbands. Yeah, exactly. 
but uh but you know so like uh riley bethany bruce and i all got up at like four o'clock in the morning four thirty, hopped in line uh for a a wristband and by six thirty, seven o'clock we were able to you know get in line for the convention center go back to the hotel and sleep do whatever we wanted and we knew we had a seat now it might be in the back of the room but so, you had a seat but you had a seat. Yeah. And, and to be honest, for most people, that's all that matters. Now, there will be a small group that says, I want to sit right in the front, right? For those people, they do have to get back in line again. Mm-hmm. However, chances are they were going to be in line f- since the night before anyway. So all they did is I got a break in the middle. That's kind of how I, my opinion. I know there was a lot of negativity around the queuing system uh, before Celebration started, but I think it worked really well. So I want to uh congratulate mary franklin on a on a great system i know she's kind of worried about it or based on not she was what she wasn't worried about it but she was she saw a lot of the negative fan feedback before the event and it was kind of i'm sure depressing like when you work so hard on something and people are so negative about it and, and i don't even change. try it and, and, if, and i would i would look at them and say do you guys want to deal with comic con do you want to deal with what happens in all age do you want to sit, yeah. and sit all day in a room and miss the whole con because all you wanted to see was a panel at five o'clock at night and you're sitting there at six o'clock in the morning. Really people? I mean, right. I appreciate a convention that sure. I, I loved Anaheim. You would queue up for your line. That's fine. I had no problem with it, but I liked it because once you got in the room, you saw your panel and then they cleared you out. That's right. what I, I like that the most when it comes to any kind of convention, when it comes to a panel. And if this worked in, in Europe, because it let everybody have an opportunity to see a panel, I have no problem with it because I don't have to right. sit there at 6 o'clock in the morning to see a 5 o'clock panel and stay there all day in the same room. Exactly. And you could even get a, uh, you could get two, up to two wristbands. You could pick a two-fair panel. And, and usually there's cool only too. two major things I wanted to see per day anyway, so it wasn't right. really a, a, an issue. And so you could get your two wristbands. You go do your own thing. You come back. You show up you know, half an hour before the panel. You walk in. You get a good, decent seat. You know, mm-hmm. If you show up an hour early... You'll get a seat probably in the middle of the room or so. That's that's right. not bad at all. Uh, and then you can enjoy the rest of the day, go back home and to the hotel and sleep, whatever. Anyway, kind yeah, of a, right. a I, I really enjoyed it. Kind of a side tangent, but I wanted to, to just mention how great of a job they did here. And um, with the uh, my my one suggestion actually before I get back off of this 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 first of two tangents is uh, maybe for the very first people in line, the first, I don't know, 100 or so, maybe you give them a special, special wristband that gives you them early access back into the room. You know, so like, hey, you were here, you know, from midnight last night until 6 a.m., so we're going to let you into the hall five minutes early, pick your seats, and then we'll let everyone else in. Mm-hmm. You know, they could do something like that, which could be uh, interesting. And that way the, the people who were there super early won't have to wait in line. Uh, quite as long but um, there were people who slept there for the rebels panel yeah exactly i, I uh, met several of them going with their pillows no, I, I get can't do that. the convention was closing for the day can't yeah and so maybe you do it like that you know for the for those people let them into the, the the room a little bit early so they do get their reserved seats and they don't have to wait in line all day otherwise everyone else you just show up you know when you're mm. show up when you want to show up so um so i think that worked really well the uh the reason why I took this whole side tangent to begin with was um, I showed up to Ahsoka's Untold Tales a little bit late, or right, right, as, right as it was starting. Thankfully, there was a seat. Aaron saved me a seat. Um, because uh, Riley didn't have a friend of the show, obviously, from Star Wars Report, didn't have um, a SIM card for his phone. 
And so, oh, you know, I picked that one up at the airport, and he he was dataless, and I was like, oh well, you know, um, I I don't want to like send him off somewhere, you know, by himself where he has no no phone, no internet, no texting, like he no means of communication. Except and... that everybody spoke English. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Could have been worth it. Could have been like SN. Exactly. Um, and so we got our wristbands, and at like eight o'clock. We're like, should we? He's like, can we just go get a SIM card? And the, I looked, and it was like a place two miles away. And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go. So you know, we we uh, Ubered over there, not thinking at all that you know, because we've been up for multiple hours already at this point. It's eight o'clock in the morning. Nobody's open. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we got there, and we're like, oh crap, they don't actually open for forty five minutes. So we like, you know, had a breakfast, had breakfast, and they finally open. And they don't have it. And so we have to wait half an hour for the next store to open. And now I'm starting to freak out because it's almost the, the convention's about ready to open. And we're, you know, a couple miles away looking for a SIM card. <laughs> and then they, find, you know, they they open at like 10 o'clock. They take forever to give us the SIM card. Some, they had like all sorts of technical issues. And so by the time we got there, we got back to the, the um, convention center. It was 11 just as the Ahsoka panel was starting. So thankfully we made it, but it was a little bit of an adventure. And I'm getting like the Reader's Digest play-by-play of this because I'm yes. on my way there from the airport. Exactly. <laughs> I'm on a train. I'm in a cab. He's like, well, we're trying to get Riley's SIM card and we're not even at the hall yet. <laughs> But it's, it's the just, memories. Yeah. You have to look at it this way. It's the memories. It was. Of it was. It was. It was fun. It was fun. I was. Uh, I was in a taxi that happened to have uh, buried about you and McGregor when they were there shooting one of the prequel episodes. So already, I get off the train and I'm an Obi Wan Carnobi. Oh jeez! <laughs> I'm like my celebration has already begun because I'm in Obi Wan's taxi cab. <laughs> That's amazing. That's it. Was morning. a great day. Yeah, so I, I don't think you you didn't go to the Ahsoka's Untold Tales panel, right? Right, Amanda. I didn't, but of course okay. it wouldn't have meant anything to me anyhow. That's true. That's true. So I'll, I'll continue. I'll continue monologuing here a little bit, and then we'll get into our discussion of Rogue One. <laughs> um, so the uh, this one's really cool, like as I said, because they actually told a bunch of it's Ahsoka's Untold Tales, right? Um, so we got to. Um, they were they they definitely talked about a new species called the Latrans. They're very coyote-like, and uh, they were created by like a Jedi created by Filoni. Uh, that was supposed to be uh, it was it was a character who pretended to be a, bounty, a Jedi, but was actually a bounty hunter in disguise, and would go around kidnapping younglings. Uh, apparently, this ended up turning into the Zygerians when they never used them, but. Um, uh, it was kind of a cool idea of this, you know, this Jedi impersonator, basically. Uh, but in terms of Ahsoka, the first arc would have been there was three arcs that would have ended the Clone Wars. The first one was all about Ahsoka's walkabout. So uh, the the bike that Kanan uses in uh, Rebels was originally Ahsoka's, uh, and they kind of redesigned it slightly, but it's, it's effectively the same thing. And uh, she Ahsoka would have sat in a park looking the jedi temple deciding whether or not to go back and you could like see the jedi temple through the trees and she was sitting there looking longingly right because she has no idea how to live in the real world and this arc would have been all about level 1313 you know the the mythical uh level of coruscant that we you know would have gotten the uh, game about and everything and uh in his arc ahsoka meets a character named nix okami and they become very close uh he was a uh it would have been um uh 
you know, he it just kind of wanted to show what a, a normal life would be like for a kid at Ahsoka's age. Um, and, you know, Ahsoka and Nick sort of started to have a, a romance there, uh, kind of like with Lux Bonteri. Um, but according to Dave Filoni, it was a romance that was written really well, not just, you know, because, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, they would eventually get wrapped up in a fight against the underworld with a criminal syndicate. And, uh, you know, she keeps her Jedi past secret from Nix, uh, because he doesn't like uh, the Jedi. He thinks they're privileged. And so they, they showed a clip of this and, uh, in the clip, um, Nix and Ahsoka get confronted by these um, uh, these this, the criminal syndicate, and Nix gets knocked out, you know, and, and all of a sudden Ahsoka jumps into the fight and uses the force just decimate these guys. Nix wakes up and he's like, "Wait, what? What? What, what happened?" He has no idea what what, what Ahsoka had done. Um, uh oh. Yeah, and these these were all like very early, you know, the early animation, um, kind of like with the 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 unreleased arcs they put on StarWars.com. So basically, a story uh, reel. Yes, exactly. Basically, story reels. Uh, but it was actually really cool that they that they showed these story reels, and at the end, um, Floney said that these are these are effectively the the final um, the the most. Um, the most finished, the the, the really the, the last pieces of the Clone Wars that they're able to mine that are even remotely presentable. Mm. Everything else is 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 you know too early um, to be used. So we've we we have seen the last of the Clone Wars content. There's nothing left um, from from when the after the show was canceled. Um, so the, the, so that's Ahsoka's walkabout, and she has to deal with this this underworld. Then. There was an episode called uh, an arc that they nicknamed in this case "Return to the Jedi," and uh, there were they only had scripts and artwork for this this arc, uh, no 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 story reels or anything. But uh, Ahsoka realizes you know she can't really change who she is, and she becomes an underworld vigilante. And eventually, these circumstances bring her back to the surface of Coruscant. Uh, where uh, nefarious entities in the underworld are endangering Yoda's life. So um, this would have dealt with a, a, a ancient Sith temple deep below the surface of Coruscant, underneath the Jedi Temple. Uh, they they built a Jedi Temple on top of it, just like how I think Filoni was talking about how some churches are built on top of like pagan mm-hmm. sites, and um, you know, Ahsoka would have protected the the vault to where the holocron is the jedi holocron is by sealing the doors of their lightsaber because the the temple was under attack and guess who would have been on who was on the other side of these doors unseen darth maul darth sidious so ahsoka would have been on one side of the doors sidious on the other side of the doors and he's shooting force lightning at the doors going into ahsoka's lightsaber that's going that's you know through the door uh sealing it and going straight into ahsoka and like electrocuting her uh through the door um but they never would have actually seen each other so we would have had effectively ahsoka versus darth sidious uh even though they never met Uh, so that sounds like a really really cool arc uh the next one would have been the siege of mandalore where uh, this is the final arc of the show and would have reunited Ahsoka with 
the uh, the clones and Anakin once more. And uh, Ahsoka is at this point working with Bo-Katan. And Bo figured out that Darth Maul is back on Mandalore and they have an opportunity to actually go get him. So they contact the Jedi and tell them about Maul. And uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin arrive to, uh, to, to take out this, uh, this crazy Sith Lord. And uh, unfortunately, that is when Coruscant is attacked at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. So Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan are talking to Ahsoka about taking out Maul. Palpatine calls up and says, guys, I need you. Uh, uh, Coruscant is under attack. I need you to come back and help. Um, and they go off and thus begins Revenge of the Sith. But before they leave, Ahsoka, I'm sorry, Anakin tells Ahsoka how proud of her he is. And it's a nice touching moment. And he says, I'm not going to leave you on this mission unprotected. And the doors open and half of the 501st Legion is standing there behind these doors dressed in orange armor and led by Captain Rex. See, that's cool. And that is why Rex is not in Revenge of the Sith. Because he is there protecting Ahsoka during the Siege of Mandalore with their orange-clad 501st Legion. But that still doesn't explain how he survived Order 66. Sorry. It doesn't. It no. doesn't. It explains uh, so we why don't he's know not how there. he survived. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and that's really a cool moment, right? To, to have the 501st Legion support Ahsoka in this fight against mm-hmm. Maul. And that's why that's why when Ahsoka and Maul meet in um, the season two finale of Rebels, they know each other and they kind of reference that something happened. It was because of that confrontation. Um, so that sounds like what what an amazing way to to kind of end the the series. Um, there after the war, uh, Dave wanted a, a scene with Ahsoka riding some wolves, um, but E.K. Johnson got all of the details for all of the arcs for her novel. So uh, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to that. And Dave Filoni was very involved in this book. He read the draft many times, provided a bunch of notes. So his hands are his fingerprints are all over the story. And I get back to it. I know I mentioned on our last podcast, William, that Dave Filoni did say at Celebration Anaheim, if there was any way he could tell Ahsoka's story in any other medium, he would do it. And it appears he found the medium. He gave all the notes to the writer who's writing the book, and he's looking it over, and he's making sure that story gets told. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Dave Dave did say he he kind of gave – so Ashley Eckstein flew in just for this panel, uh, which was – fantastic um and dave teased ashley by saying that uh he almost had uh vader impale ahsoka <laughs> in the season two finale and like, she was like shocked she's like no you know in, in typical ashley Eckstein uh manner um but dave decided not to not to do that and that's where he re- he says that you know there uh that ahsoka might live it's who knows and there are uh, ten tops card they're releasing that have clues to Ahsoka's fate. Great! Now I gotta uh, collect baseball cards again. Oh God! Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and to answer our our big question from you know the finale, Vader is unrepentant and nothing can change him until Luke, according to Filoni. But Ahsoka kind of surprises him. He had to resolve that he's gonna destroy her, and that she has to, and she has to realize what's happened to him. Um, so that's you know that's kind of what what happened with with Vader. He she doesn't really 
she doesn't really change him. She has no hope of changing. Only mm-hmm. Luke can do that. I will say Ahsoka was a big focus at the celebration. People were talking about that panel and about this information and getting these stories all weekend. Um, There were free gifts with purchase in the store that were little Ahsoka lapel pins, and I have two of them. Um, It was, this was a big deal. It it really was, yeah. Ahsoka was the star. As much as Rogue One was technically the focus, it, Rogue One was the f- movie focus. Ahsoka Thrawn won all the, the hearts and minds. News, and Ahsoka was like the. Ahsoka the... had all the hearts and minds, really. Yeah, she really did. And I probably saw forty-two Ahsoka cosplays there too. They were amazing. Only, only forty-two. I was only there one day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the whole panel was thanks to fan support and the fact that you know Filoni has ch- changed his mind about Ahsoka and everything. So. That was that was really cool to see. You know, I I gotta bring this out. Remember when we first saw her on screen, and how, if I remember correct, she really wasn't well received. I don't like her yet. Yeah, I'm only halfway through season one, and I have not yeah. fallen in love with her. Wow. Well, are you, are you not not falling in love with her, or actively do not like her? I'm curious. I, I just have not fall. I don't see why everyone loves her so much yet. Okay. I'm sure it's coming. Uh, just you know, wait. Just. Just keep watching. I'm going really. to keep watching. I we will have to check in with you periodically to yeah. get your 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 your, your progress because I guarantee you, you will be an Ahsoka fan. Yeah, I'm. I am you... sure just because everyone else at Celebration was, and well, I have pretty much everything else in common with all of those people. <laughs> I I will say another thing about it. I think we won't steer you wrong. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why she is very well loved, it's got to be Ashley Eckstein. Yeah. Yeah, she because she's the character, but it's just her personality and how she is to the public, and I think that's really what has gravitated everybody toward the character and her. But I do remember, I've, I do remember when Soka was first on screen, not a lot of people liked her. Yep. And I have communicated with Ashley Eckstein on Twitter, and she is just as cute as she can be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I look yeah. forward to loving this character like everyone else. <laughs> well, don't yes. don't make everybody force her on you. You have to find it yourself. Yeah. I'm also not afraid to say if it turns out that I don't. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. And that's okay. And that's totally fine. And so I, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts as you progress to the show. And then how, how your opinions of the, the show and Ahsoka change over time. It's it's gonna be exciting. Yep. Um the the other the other one I guess before I keep pushing off the the Rogue One panel a little bit more because I, I figure while we're in the animation stage let's talk about the Freemaker Adventures panel now we can't cover every single panel we're just going to cover some of the ones that we went to we tried to focus on ones related to the the TV shows and the films because uh, that's what we cover here on Ion Cannon um, this was um, this was a, a fun panel with executive producers uh, Bill Motts and Bob Roth and director Michael Hegner and uh, uh, Tom, uh, Amanda, have you guys seen uh, the Freemaker Adventures at all? I have. I've been watching. We can't it. get it here. Oh, you can't get it yet. Oh, that's too bad. Because I'm sure, I'm sure um, uh, Mac would love it. It's it's a fun show. In fact, I had to sit here and um, I had to message William because Hondo made an appearance, and it was actually Jim Cummings. Because you know, sometimes when characters make an appearance on uh, Star Wars Lego, they don't really use the same voice. Naturally, they will use, um, you know, um, 
Billy D. Williams from the Nocarizian, you know, but other characters when they pop on, it's a different voice. They did bring Jim Cummings, and it was a Lego version of Hondo. So it was uh, it was fun. I actually, I, I like the show. I think for what it is, it's cute. I'm not bothered with people complaining, is it canon or not? I don't care. Yeah. It's just a fun little show. The, I mean, that, that I think that question was brought up, and, and they, they work with, um, they work... What they call it is canon. They call it canon adjacent or canon paraphrased, mm-hmm. where it isn't officially part of the canon, but the story group ensures that it could fit into canon. Right. So, much like anything else, Lego, it's a little over the top, right? There are things yes. that would never happen, <laughs> but the the basic story, the basic characters, mm-hmm. could totally be legitimate. Right. Um, I and mean, they, they could, the, the over the top way. Palpatine, the you know. Darth Vader not really being Darth Vader out of character, you know, that kind of stuff won't happen within the actual Star Wars universe. But there are some flashes of a real Palpatine and a real Vader. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we got some interesting details about the show and we're going to we're going to review this at some point since we 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 have a minute in our schedule. Um, the, The first character they ever named was actually the droid, the battle droid named Roger. Roger. We're getting a lot, a lot of battle droids lately. Uh, between aftermath and with Mr. Bones and Roger from uh, Freemaker Adventures, uh, I love that his name is Roger. It's so great. Um, and the two Freemaker boys are actually based on, um, I believe it was uh, Bill's, uh, Bill Motz's sons, um, uh, which was was fascinating to hear, as well. It's, yeah, it's based on based on his sons. Uh, yeah, they showed a couple clips of the show. Unfortunately, this it, it, the show had not aired in uh, in the UK yet when uh, the panel started. I think it, it aired last week, mm-hmm. so a couple days after Celebration. So most people hadn't seen the show yet. So they yeah, couldn't... all y'all colonials got it first. Of Continentals <laughs> had to wait. <laughs> yeah. They, they, couldn't go too into into detail about the about the show. They kind of had to make it fairly high level, but um, you know they talked about how uh, battle droids have very low level processors that are great against clones but terrible against Jedi, and and that's why they they don't fare very well. But Roger's actually you know a pretty smart droid despite being kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Clone Wars, the show uh, records as an ensemble cast in Los Angeles, and uh, Matthew Wood who plays Roger and you know obviously a a fantastic sound designer who studied under Ben Burt. Um, he flies down to record all the episodes so he can be there. So he, he will often sneak out of like, you know, working on sound on uh, the force awakens or rogue one and fly down to LA to record Rogers lines and then head back up. That's too funny. Uh, and what was really cool is he actually gave us a, a live demo of Rogers voice processing on stage, which reminded me of when he did a similar thing for General Grievous back at Celebration 3. Mm-hmm. I remember he had General Grievous on – he was on stage and he, he uh, started speaking in General Grievous's voice with the live, pre-process- live processing. And he said, um, uh, yes, Lord Sidious, would you like fries with that? And I, I'll always remember that. It was, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty great moment. Um and so, so basically, their their approach to the show is they start with the story and the characters, and then they adapt them to the Lego format for humor. And they say, okay, where where can we find the funny moments? What's you know what's unique to Lego that we can play up 
or what's just funny about Star Wars that we can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and so uh, that's kind of how they approach the show, which I think is a good approach. They try to make a great story first and the great characters, and then they, they add the humor. Uh, and there are a lot of people involved in the story, but everyone's on the same page. So it's, you know, they said it's very helpful rather than uh, a nightmare. And there's all sorts of great characters. You know, they're, they're involving Dengar and pod races and Maz Kanata and, you know, Hondo and Billy D. Williams is going to play Lando on the show. Uh, Greg Proops came in to say a few lines for his character too. So like they're doing a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, they hinted that the Freemakers and the crew of the ghost might even interact at some point, the rebels, you know, uh, characters. I think I saw that as a coming up episode. I think I did. That could be real. Yeah. And of course, as you'd expect, they have some Freemaker Adventures toys coming. I think I have to say, I think this is one of the best Lego Star Wars shows because, you know, in the past, Lego Star Wars shows have always parodied the Star Wars films. And then they kind of went off and did their own thing a little bit. Uh, but this one is an actual like it's it's a weekly story that right. follows the same group of characters and they have some really cool adventures. So um, well, it remember- was really good. You remember when we first got the Lego uh, shows, we did try to review them. They were the one-offs, like you said. They kind of paralleled. Yeah. And the first one that they did actually was quite clever. There was some fun stuff in it. And then we ended up watching the second one. And the second one was like, well, some of the cleverness is there, but eh. And then the third one, and then they all just dropped off after that point because you really lost interest in it. This one, this one I have to say, it's cute because I like how it's, it's kind of paralleling, but it's still Star Wars, but you can have fun with this because it's just having fun and you know it's Legos and you know what to expect because if you play the Lego games, you get that same kind of humor. So it it works very well for a show. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I have to say the, the composer, Michael Kramer, does a fantastic job. Uh, I the the theme is 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 really really good. I I love the the theme that they they picked for the the show, uh, especially during the credits. When the credits roll, I always like love to listen to that part when I when I watch the episodes. Uh, and they actually hired an eighty three piece orchestra to play. So it's oh that's cool. Yeah, it's uh really really well done for sure. That's yeah, a fun show. So yeah, so uh, let's see. Um. Another thing I did, just kind of wrap up some of the miscellaneous celebration stuff before we go into the two other big panels, uh, kind of um, bookend this with you know Rogue One uh, with, with Rebels and, and Rogue One in Episode 8 in the Han Solo film. Uh, I did get a chance to try out ILM's X-Labs. Uh, the, oh, was it the, awesome? It was actually really cool. So I played, it, was, I, it was Trials on Tatooine. It is available now um, for free on Steam if you have a HTC Vive. But... Um, it was really cool. You know, you, you, you put this on. The lines were insane for this. Uh, thankfully, I was able to get in. And uh, you put you put on the Vive, and you're on Tatooine. And uh, it's fairly short and about maybe seven minutes long or so. Um, so it's, a, it's a short experience. But you really do feel like you're in the Star Wars universe. Um, you know, and you have you hold this this device, the controller that almost feels like a lightsaber, so you can like select stuff and reach out and like, you know, interact with the Falcon and repair things, and you know, you, you get a lightsaber, and it, you really just feel like you're there. My one complaint is that it was very limited in space, so you're kind of in this small eight by eight box almost, and. Well, it looks like you're in the middle of the Tatooine Desert. You actually can't move around that far. And if you start to walk toward a wall, 
um, this red grid will all of a sudden appear in, in, in the world. This blue grid will appear in the world saying like, hey, stop walking immediately. Um, pro like tip. the edge of the holodeck. Exactly. Pro tip, if you ever see that, uh, it might look like it's, you know, still a, a foot away or so. And you can kind of keep leaning until you get right up next to the, the, the wall. Don't. It's not quite accurate. Uh, I bang my head. <laughs> Oops. But uh, other than that, yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. Well worth it. Um, if you have a virtual reality headset, definitely check it out. Um, but they did a they did a great job there. Lucasfilm's doing a lot of interesting things with virtual reality, so that was awesome. Uh, other than that, uh, what did you think of the uh, the props of Rogue One exhibit, Amanda? I know we went there together on on Friday. Oh, it was exquisite. It was exquisite. Just just Director Krennic's cape was worth the wait in the queue. Um, and that that new TIE Interceptor, that Ooh, beautiful, the, the sexy beast of a model, was it was yeah. gorgeous. The, the exhibit was really well put together. Um, it was dramatically lit, and they were doing a really good job with managing the queue so that there were never too many people in there, so you could get up close and actually get looks at things. Um, I like it, but I love the whole aesthetic of Star Wars. I love that used future. I love how things that are meant to look like they came out of A New Hope were put together looking like they came out of A New Hope. Riley and I commenting on the, hey, is that air duct material on the Stormtrooper armor there? Um, <laughs> it, it's, I can't wait to see this movie. It was, it was great. I am hoping that that exhibit goes to the launch bay, either at Disney World or Disneyland, because that way I'll be able to see it. Because the only complaint I had was that they needed to steam Director Krennic's cape. It had oh. gotten a little bit wrinkled in transport, <laughs> and I know that he would not stand for that. Hopefully, it Stop was the head. back of the cape. That way, you wouldn't be able to see it because it was, you know, facing away from the crowd. But or... literally, that's how close I got to it. I was like, "Hmm, that's got a wrinkle." Wow. <laughs> It, it, it was kind of funny. Uh, you can always tell who the 501st are because uh, the guys in the 501st, uh, they get right up next to the costumes to take photos, like, you know, a couple inches away for their for their armor. So you can always tell, you know, who's... And they're who's gonna... dictating notes into their smartphone. Exactly. You can always tell who's going to be uh, building, um, you know, uh, our, our armor based on uh, what they see there. But no, it was really cool. They had all sorts of great stuff. Stormtrooper armor, Shore Troopers, Death Troopers... Uh, Krennic, as you mentioned, and his Imperial shuttle, the Death Star, an eight and an ATACT ATACT cargo walker, the Tie Striker, and of course the the costumes for the the whole cast. So, really, really cool there. Um, I uh, that, that's always a lot of fun. This year it was a little bit different. They uh, they had it in the middle of the exhibit hall instead of being in its own room. Um, a, a lot of the stuff was in the exhibit hall, and I think it for for the uh, for the costumes and the props, I think it works well. Unfortunately, a couple of the stages, as 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 Mark mentioned, due to the configuration of the the convention center, the stage was effectively behind the exhibit hall, with just some like thick curtains um, blocking out the sound and the light from the from the main hall. So what you ended up with was um, a lot of noise that was still traveling, and so when you're in a panel, a lot of times you could hear. Uh, the exhibit hall and the noise from there, but like it, it wasn't too bad. It was just kind of a, you could just kind of notice it under underneath all the panels. Um, 
but that was you know the celebration stage was in its own room but if you were like me and wanted to you could stand on the balcony above the entrance to the celebration stage and eavesdrop on the whole thing <laughs> that's true drop a little microphone down there I think you did that for uh, Mark Hamill, right? I did. I did. I went and I did not have a wristband because, again, I didn't arrive in London until eight something that morning. And the wristbands were gone much earlier than that. Um, But I was able to stand on the balcony. I watched Warwick Davis roll in on his little Segway. um, (laughs) And, yeah, he had a Segway. It was amazing. I took pictures. Um, And listen to Mark Hamill uh, razz Carrie Fisher for not taking him with her to the Wax Museum. And... um, Tell a few other stories. Just standing there on the balcony waiting for William to get done at the Ahsoka panel. Yeah. And then, of course, I snuck into the end of the, the Mark Hamill panel. Jeez. Yes. Yes. You and your press credential, sir. No, no, no. That was the wristband that I got at 6 o'clock that morning. So don't. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I worked hard for that one. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, it, I'll do it again. Like, I, I'm. Not too proud to eavesdrop on Mark Hamill. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, and the the other panel I almost forgot was the uh, uh, the Bioware. I'm oh, sorry, the the Star Wars gaming panel where they they had Amy Hennig on stage and they had the folks from Bioware and all, all the companies making um, Star Wars video games basically, and they kind of talked about what they're doing. No, not any really major new news. Um, Battlefront's getting a Rogue One expansion, so you'll be able to go to Scarif. Um, and, uh, the older public is getting another, uh, series of episodic content, um, and, you know, minor updates to all the other games as well, Rogue One content, etc. Uh, but that's the big stuff. And of course the Death Star is coming to the Star Wars Battlefront. Um, but it was still, still fun. And then afterward they had Bioware hosted one of their cantina parties for the older public where they gave, you know, posters and shirts and, um, it was, it was packed. It was it was a that was a it was a fun night, and of course I I caught the end of the Force Awakens on my way back to the hotel. And there's nothing like watching a Star Wars movie with you know three thousand other fans. Mm-hmm. It's quite the experience. I I kind of wish I had been there for that, just because when I saw the Force Awakens the four times I saw it in the cinema, it was not the fan experience that I'm used to in the states. In yep. fact, it spoiler alert um, at the end of that movie Han Solo dies. And um, sort of a life-changing moment for me. Um, in fact, I was sobbing so hard that all four times I never figured out how Kylo Ren got injured before his lightsaber <laughs> duel at the end of the movie. Um, I had to ask. Babysitter shot him. Yeah, I, I found that out later. Um, but I, I literally was sobbing so hard I didn't see it. Wow. But when I was there at the first time, opening day, it was the day before it opened in the U.S., I'm in the English language theater. I see this happen. I gasp. I burst into tears. No one else in the theater seemed to care. No. Wow. I'm literally surrounded by Germans who weren't bothered. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I miss my fan community back in the States. Well, and what's cool about this, and I think you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Amanda, is, um, you know, when you're in a group, in this kind of setting, uh, you've got so many fans, and you know, Kylo Ren ignites his blade and impales Han Solo. At that very moment, a guy dressed up as Kylo Ren, a couple seats in front of me, ignites his lightsaber and his, his, his Kylo Ren lightsaber and raises it into the air and then moves <laughs> it on until Kylo Ren shuts off his lightsaber and then he shuts off his lightsaber. You know. Wow. But see, like, I might have murdered that guy in his seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Or like when when Ray, you know, uses the force to grab the lightsaber in the in the forest and ignites it. All of a sudden, like half a dozen blue lightsabers ignite around the you know, or a dozen of them ignite around the the theater. So there's definitely you know a, a lot of excitement. People clap for even the most minor introductions and uh, yeah, I would it's, like that. It's a great moment. It really I is. I would like that. But uh, you know, we're uh, I think we're we're getting near the end of the show but first we have to talk about rogue one. Oh my gosh uh, we talked briefly oh, about rogue one um, the the introduction of director krennic and uh, when he walked in but tom uh, i want to ask you first i'm sure did you watch the the panel from home no i didn't follow the i again what was I, it like experiencing uh <laughs> celebration from home well lonely um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It's not I mean like, it like that. No, it I, like... look, I was, I was working. Um, I needed to, you know, put food on the table for my kids, um, and my wife, you know, and, and, and I just sat here and, and tried to think back to the days of being there in Anaheim and with everybody and going, well, that, it, was, it, that was a lot of fun. In my defense, um, I, starwars.com, I know streamed a lot of the panels. There was a lot of live coverage, uh, on you know starwars.com other websites on Twitter. So I, what I meant was like, how was the coverage experience? Oh, okay. <laughs> people who could not make it. No, okay. I, how was it not being at the biggest convention of the year? Oh, well, not how did you um, feel being left out. That was not my. No, intention. that's okay. Um... <laughs> for, for the people from home who couldn't make it, what was the coverage like? Uh, you know that sort of thing. My well. I ended I'm up. Come on. Okay. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go this route. Um, I tried to pick up as much information as possible from any of the websites. Not so much StarWars.com. I hit up, you know, uh, Rebel Scum. I hit up TheForce.net. I did, you know, see the stuff from Star Wars. I wasn't able because, you know, I was working and, you know, that's what I have to do. Wasn't able to actually watch the panel stream. I still haven't gotten around to watching any of the panels. Yes, I am a big Star Wars fan, people. You have not seen my collection. You have not seen my office. Um, but I followed as much as possible that I could. And I'm almost to the point to where it's like, you know what? It's a great experience for everybody who was there. And it's great that they're streaming this stuff. But having the experience of being in Anaheim, in that room, I would rather have that experience with all the fans around me than seated trying to watch a panel like that at home or on our big screen because if you can get it on the big screen that's probably not impossible hang on a second um no problem popular but uh yeah i mean yeah you're right there's nothing nothing compares to being in the room but i think i was really impressed by the amount of coverage uh starwars.com has done the last um two celebrations especially this one where most of the panels are live streamed, right? Yeah, and uh, and you can see them from home, or even if they're not live streamed, they're slightly delayed. They're all put up online. Um, it's actually kind of overwhelming, is even having been there. Now I come home and I'm like, oh, there's all these panels I missed. I want to go see. And now I actually have you know to deal with. I guess it's no different than if you're home, but you know you have your job, you have everything else. You're like, okay, now I got to watch all this amazing content. I don't know, <laughs> it's gonna take me forever. But but I think I was William... only at celebration on Friday, but I watched Carrie Fisher live on Sunday from my bedroom. But see, I, exactly. I, I think in this case, since you guys were there and you missed some of the panels, then 
for me, it would almost seem natural you'd want to see the streaming because you're actually there. And because you, you were somewhere else when that panel was on, then I think for you, it's like, great, I can go back and watch this. For a guy like me who had the experience of being at Celebration Anaheim and had all that crowd around me and had that experience, it's almost like you're losing that community mm. because you're not there watching it. Or watching one panel and realize, okay, I missed this panel, but I can watch it over here at home when I get home. So it's not that I don't want to. Um, it's just that the, the feeling's not there of, you know, the community. And there's probably yeah. a lot of information that sure. I'm missing. But to a certain extent, do I really want to hear all that information and spoil something that I know could be coming in the future? So. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess based on, you know, personal preference and that yeah. kind of thing. And like I, it was nice that um uh when I did the the press conference, I I couldn't attend the uh the storytelling at Lucasfilm panel, and so I was able to to watch that one when I got home and uh it made it kind of easier to to make those trade-offs. I'm like, okay, well, I can go to a panel that or I can go to you know, the press conference which you, you know, you, you, I won't be able to do some some other time or watch and then cover that for Ion Cannon, and then I can kind of watch a, a, another interesting panel from home um, later on. So I, I think they did a great job. Um, and I know when I was watching from home on Sunday, um, I was on Twitter with 50 other people that were watching from home. Mm-hmm. So that was there was a bit of that community feeling too, and that the online fandom that wasn't in the room sort of all got together in the places we congregate to comment on what we were all watching online live happen at the same time from around the world. Yeah. And that's, that I think is, is when it comes to some conventions, I appreciate what star Wars is doing when it, uh, Lucasfilm and all that, what they're doing is putting those panels available that day or the next day or within a couple hours where you can actually, if you're at home, you can see it and you can still feel like you're part of the community and you get the same information as people who are there. I really appreciate that. You know, and if you want to see it, it's there. If not, you know, like a guy like me, I'd like to see it at some point. I may get around to it as long as it's up, you know, but it's there if I want to watch it. Exactly. Yeah. Except the secret trailer. Well, right. you know, if you talk about the secret trailer, <laughs> um, I actually did see it because I think that was brought up on the uh, Star Wars report. Um, it did leak. It did leak. Yeah. Surprisingly, despite their best efforts. So, yeah. you know, at the end of the at the end of the Rogue One panel, we'll go back and cover the rest of the Rogue One panel, too. But at, at the end of the Rogue One panel, they played a 60 second short teaser that um they said would only be available at celebration will not be available online. And they were serious. Like they, when the trailer was playing, they actually had, um, security walking down the aisles to looking for phones, looking. And when they found people, they would actually go and confiscate the phones. They would say, Hey, or they wouldn't necessarily take away, but they would say, Hey, you need to delete this right now. And I need to watch you delete this. Like you cannot keep a copy of this. Well, William, you Uh, remember when we were at celebration, I think it was, um, what episode we were watching, that it was rebels had, it was the rebels, yeah, it was premiere. rebels. and the night vision goggles right yeah and they were watching yeah. everybody yep uh so they they were definitely serious about this um but somehow it leaked out and uh oh it's such an amazing such an so amazing good. i was okay, sad well, they didn't play it a second time from i from know a, i want to see it again 
from a guy who who saw it from the quote-unquote leaked footage, um, I actually liked the teaser that they showed you guys that they actually released for the behind-the-scenes stuff. I got more out oh, of that. Oh, that because... that's real. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was my that was one of my favorite things of the whole weekend. I that was worth getting up at four a.m. just to watch that. Uh, editors are one of those jobs in film that people forget about how important it is to, for it to be done well. But whoever edited that reel together, oh yeah, deserves a raise because it was perfection. You could not have made me want it harder. And and I think the one that made it for me is the guy getting into the X wing laughing or giggling because it's like you you feel like that. One of two things. One, he is the total fanboy going, oh, my God, I'm getting my dream of actually sitting in an X-Wing. Okay, so I get blown up within three seconds, but who cares? I'm oh, sitting in an X-Wing. Yeah. You know? And, and and then the other feel you're getting, it's like, oh, my God, I'm sitting here getting into an X-Wing, and everybody – it's like there's people out there who would love to be in the same position I'm in. I'm the one getting into this X-Wing. This is so cool. It happens to when you get to work on something that you like or care about or Mm -hmm. that is just remarkably fun as an actor. There are definitely moments when you just sort of look around and go, I'm at work right now. Yeah. I'm at work right now. It happened to me when I was in um, CenturyLink Field and there were only 20 people in the whole stadium. And I'm like, this is a big football field and my job is to sit in it by myself. And they're okay, paying wait, you for this. Wait, wait. You've been, you've been to CenturyLink, and I, I'm a big Seahawk fan. You've been to CenturyLink, and I haven't. Uh... Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I got paid. I'll get up there one year. You will. You will. You will. We'll yeah. take you to a Hawks game. Oh, God. Go Hawks, man. <laughs> go anyway. Hawks. But yeah, like there are definite moments like that. And you do see that in more than one place if you're yeah. looking for it in this trailer. I love seeing. The camera work. I love seeing when it's they've punched in digitally and when they're actually in the actor's face physically. I like seeing camera track. I like seeing the boom guy. I loved Space Monkey. Yeah, Space Monkey was good. I think it's the part everyone loved. <laughs> Is he the guy at the door? Yeah, on the cannon. Yeah. The, the gun. Yeah. Okay. And he, he gets given the direction of how to do the laugh and then he does it and it's amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's so great. I. I I would try to imitate it, but I would fail, so I'm not even going to. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a that was a really great clip, and actually, it was so great we got to see it two and a half times. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they had a couple t- technical detail t- t- uh, technical issues, and um, so they they tried to play it the first time. It stopped halfway through, and they played it again after the Q and A, and then uh, and then they had they to play that... it a third time when the trailer wouldn't queue up. Right. Well, it accidentally played the the sizzle reel instead of the trailer or the teaser. So they let it play all the way through. And Kathleen Kennedy is so smooth. She just lets it play like, okay, you know, uh, that's uh, what the rest of the world's going to see. And now we're going to show you the secret thing. Well, it was I knew they were having technical difficulties when I saw the stage manager on stage whispering into Gwendolyn Christie's ear. Right, right. Right. They had to retake their little selfie a couple of extra times. Like they, they had something planned that didn't work technically. But by the end, I do have a picture of the loose lip sync starships tile because we were told we were allowed to photograph that. Nice. And uh, that was good so one. I did. Um, but then, yeah, then we got to see that trailer with the I won't not going to talk about it because people that haven't seen it. I don't want to be that jerk on Ion Cannon that you could talk about it. I no, mean, go ahead. 
Vader breathing. Vader. Yes, Vader's shadow at the end was so good. I, again, I was completely sleep deprived and just my brain was blown out at this moment. But Vader breathing, I got goosebumps. Like my whole body reacted to that. It was fantastic. It it was fantastic. Yeah, Uh, definitely go check out the, 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 celebration reel the um you know the little um behind the scenes footage and then if you can find it the uh the teaser but it's it's definitely hard to acquire lucasfilm's trying to take it down as, as quickly as they can i looked for it today and could not find it but i did find clips from it in a couple of people's youtube shows i May or may not have downloaded a copy just in case, but you didn't hear that from me. Uh, <laughs> I live in Germany where that is just not a thing. <laughs> I found it once, watched it once, and have not tried to do it again. Yeah. So I'll see it again. We'll we'll find out soon that it'll be it'll be starting to show up attached to films coming out later this I don't, year. I don't think that one will ever be shown. Maybe not that one, but there will be. There will be other trailers. trailers yeah. Soon. Yeah, there has. Uh, to yeah, be. that one I don't think will ever be shown. Just like the the Rogue One teaser uh, at Celebration Anaheim was never shown again. Um, so it was it truly was an exclusive. But uh, there were there was so much else that was going on too. I mean, um, there uh, we the panel as you as you mentioned was hosted by Gwendolyn Christie, and they had. The uh, the whole cast of episode, uh, sorry, I'm, uh, of Rogue One was here. Uh, cast uh, the crew was actually in the audience as well of, of episode eight and Rogue One. Uh, well, they, they had episode eight section. wasn't even wrapped yet. So. Right, they were what four days away from wrapping, yeah. and so uh, it was actually quite a, quite a treat to be you know only a couple miles from where they are filming the next Star Wars film, and the cast just. Why not? You know, just joined the, uh, drove a couple miles over, joined the convention, and uh, got to listen to the panels. So that was that was really cool. Um, uh, Gareth talked about you know how he'd always wanted to film at Canary Wharf and did in four hours. They talked about his unique style uh, with the camera and how he likes to get up close and personal to the action. Apparently, George Lucas himself came to visit the set of Rogue One, which made Gareth uh, a little bit uh, wow. nervous. But uh, he seemed to, he he was really happy. He would give Gareth a hard time, like you know, um, he he's like, oh, why did you do this? Or I'm not trying to do that. And then he just he, Gareth would realize Lucas was just kidding. Um, we uh, found out that you know, we we all, we, all, we knew how John Knoll pitched the idea for the series, but uh, we found out that it was actually based. Uh, it, the original concept was going to be for the live action series. It was going to be a Mission Impossible style series of episodes that were going to fit well in the live action series. And they realized, you know what? No, this should be better as a standalone film, um, which is which is really neat. So, like the live action series continues to have a major impact on the Star Wars universe, um, including the character of Saw Gerrera. I don't think we actually mm-hmm. talked about this this news. Oh yeah, this is a big one. Saw Gerrera from the Clone Wars. Is in Rogue One, and that's Forrest Whitaker's character. And Saw Gerrera started off life as a character from the live-action series before appearing in The Clone Wars. And this is the first case of an animated series character making the jump to live-action. And, really and he's cool. already been mentioned in one of the books also. So he's yes. really sort of running the gamut, filling in threads from all Star Wars media at this point. And that's actually yeah. pretty cool. 
Yeah, and Forrest Whitaker was adorable. All of the cast was really fantastic, super cute about what they were not allowed to talk about, which was basically everything. Mm. Um, they yeah. could say, like describing their costumes, which were on display in the next room, and talking about how much fun they had, and the yeah. fact that they got to shoot in the Maldives, and that was... Wouldn't that be and... fun? Scarif looks like such a cool planet, though, the, the, the beach planet that they shot in the Maldives. Yes. And, and yeah. I love Gareth Edwards' story about how those stormtroopers in the water, that's the Maldivian army, uh-huh. and um, they had no idea what Star Wars was or what these uniforms were or what they were doing. Um, so he said they will be really surprised when they start seeing themselves on movie posters <laughs> because just, they had not been exposed to it. It's so crazy to me. Like, and, and I, There are people who don't know what you know anything about Star Wars, and yeah, to be able to be in Star Wars and not know about it is uh, really sort of unimaginable yeah, yeah. exactly it yeah. is <laughs> you would st- like at this point like you know a new hope obviously lots of people were in star wars and uh, they didn't know about it clearly but like at this point star wars is such a, a global phenom- phenomenon and you could be in star wars and know nothing about it it's well it's the kind of thing everything operates under a false title when you're shooting something that marquee anyway so yeah. i could Space imagine Panda. Space showing Panda. up on set of Space Panda or whatever the code name of Rogue One was, not knowing that that's what you're doing. But when you get to your wardrobe fitting and they hand you your stormtrooper armor, the cap's out of the bag. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty exactly. obvious at that point. Yeah. I mean, I worked on something I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but it was sort of an open secret as to where we were going. And so when we showed up and that's where we were, we're like, yeah, of course this is it. But <laughs> I'm sure sometimes they can keep a secret. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got a little bit about Cassian Andor and how he's in Rebel Intelligence with his best friend K2SO, the Imperial droid played by Alan Tudyk. Who was adorable. And, yes, and he just speaks his mind and says things that can be unsettling. He's very honest, apparently, according to Tudyk. Um, we got to know a little bit more about uh, Bodhi Rook, uh, Reza Amid's character, and uh, how uh, he's actually a pilot working for the Empire trying to make ends meet. Uh, we found out about the planet Jedha, which sounds like Jedi because uh, it has something something to do with some sort of like Jedi pilgrimage, uh, despite the Jedi being effectively extinct at this point. And I want to know where... everything about this planet. I know, me too. And this I is hope where there's a book about this planet. Jennifer sure Heddle, if you are listening, we'll <laughs> I'm sure there planet. will be I, something will come out soon. Uh, but this is this is Chirrut's home planet, and I think the most interesting thing was. Jiang Wen, who plays Baze, um, he he said he's not very good at, at English and kept talking about Baze's huge gun. Uh, he's like, I have huge gun. He's like, huge. Talking. That's right, right? This is English, right? Huge. That's the right it word. Yes, but actually, I don't know if he was serious or just pretending to not be very good at English because he he kind of dropped a huge spoiler and everybody tried to cover it up and. Um, so who knows if the, his big big gun spiel was just a, a way to avoid talking about his character at all. Maybe he was just messing with the crowd. Just having fun with him. Could be. Yeah. It was a fun little moment because everybody sort of sat up a little straighter. We're like, yeah. did he just say? Did he just say what we thought he, he said? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there was the future filmmaker panel on Sunday. Uh, with oh, oh, ceremonies yeah. and uh, this one had Kiri Hart, Kathleen Kennedy, Pablo Hidalgo Ryan Johnson, Phil Lord and Chris Miller so uh, the story group heads of Lucasfilm 
and uh, the directors of episode eight and uh, the Han Solo movie. And uh, that was quite the panel as well. We found out that the episode eight script is written. Oh, sorry, sorry. It was written while watching the dailies for The Force Awakens. Clearly it's written because they already wrapped. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have a title yet. It does not have a title. So that, that was the big thing. I could have sworn they were going to announce a title, and they didn't. I think they I probably was... meant to and then couldn't, couldn't figure it out. I wouldn't have been surprised if they gave it to us, but the fact that they don't have it yet would be a really good reason not to. Yeah, and I mean, it is a little bit early to announce a title, but... Um, and you don't rush something like that to get it out to the fans at a big event either. Right. Ryan Johnson talked about how there were a number of movies that greatly influenced the uh, Star Wars films. Sorry, specifically um, episode eight. Excuse me. And he asked the the cast and crew to um, to watch all six of these movies to kind of get a good uh, idea of you know how to how to film the the show, kind of what they're going for the, with the movie. Which- one of my favorite war movies of all time was on that list. So Which one? 12 O'Clock High. Ah, uh, yes. That's number one on the list. And you said that yeah, was actually... as it should be. I don't know if you guys know the history of that movie. No, so actually I have it on my list to watch. I haven't seen it yet. It incorporates documentary footage in a narrative film in a way that had never been done before. They got actual reels that were taken by both Allied and Luftwaffe pilots during dogfights. Really? And used it in the movie. Very cool. Is there a list of the top ten uh, war movies they had everybody watch? Is there is, yeah. Available? So it's um, it is. You it's, can probably just Google it. Okay. Yeah, so it's Twelve O'clock High, and then Bridge on the River Kwai. Oh, love that movie. Uh, great that movie. Great. Yep. Uh, Three Outlaw Samurai, uh, Letter Never Sent, uh, Gunga Din, and, and Sahara. Those are the six films that Ryan Johnson recommended everyone watch. Wow, um, Kelly's Heroes was a good part idea. of them. Bummer. Yeah, but the, the, you know, there's still a lot of good stuff. There's many other things as well, but those are the six that are greatly influenced the film, mm-hmm. specifically Twelve O'Clock High. That movie is so good. Like that made me even more excited. I thought I could not be more excited about Episode Eight, and then that and, happened, yeah. and I was yeah. like, I love you. Um, let's see. Ryan talked about how he confirmed that Episode Eight will pick off pick up exactly where they left off in the force awakens. So they'll go straight back to Skellig Michael with, uh, Mark and Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley standing on what, the, what is called Christ's saddle, um, on Skellig Michael. Uh, a friend of mine was shooting there actually just while we were at celebration on, uh, and she said there are still tire tracks from the star Wars crew. In the really? Uh-oh. So now's a good time to go before the next big storm blows them away. But she took a picture. She's like, there are signs that Star Wars was here. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. Uh, you know, Ryan talked about his first Star Wars memory ever and how he got to work with the, you know, actors from that are both new and old. Um, they uh, just a lot about, you know, um, uh, a lot of great stories. They talked about the episode eight code name, and that's when I swore they're going to announce the official title. But instead, they brought out um, Chris Lord and sorry Phil Lord and Chris Miller to uh, talk about the uh, Han Solo movie. And uh, it's kind of great. They showed a clip of Han and Chewie on the Falcon from the Lego movie, and Pablo Hidalgo said, "Everyone, go tweet about how you just saw an exclusive clip of Han Chewie and uh, uh, Han and Chewie on the Falcon." from a movie created by Chris uh, Miller and uh, Phil Horde. That's just to like funny. mess with people. That's way it's, too funny. Uh, yeah. Pablo is amazing. 
Yes. Um, Gareth Edwards, I guess, has a cameo in episode eight, and Chris and Phil were almost uh, in Rogue One, but they they couldn't make it happen. Um, and that's when the big news hit. They brought out the they confirmed the worst kept secret probably in yeah the worst kept secret in show business. Um, Alden Ehrenreich is the new Han Solo, and they brought Alden right out on stage uh, for the first time in front of a uh, the Star Wars uh, fans. Apparently, to... he'd been walking around the convention hall in a stormtrooper mask all day. That's pretty standard for the cast uh, of Star that's, Wars. They often do that celebration. Yeah. Well, but, Gareth Edwards crashed another panel in full stormtrooper armor. Yep. Daisy Ridley and John Boyega uh, were walking around last year uh, at Celebration in their armor. But yeah, Gareth Edwards actually crashed a panel and took off his helmet and introduced himself uh, during one of the panels, which was that, great. That's great. Um, but yeah, they, what do you think they, of Alden? I think he's too short. I I am skeptical, but I I, I have faith in the Star Wars uh, and the Luke, in Lucasfilm and their casting abilities. So I do too, I and I know they. Once he's in him. front of the camera and once he's in his Han Solo garb, I'm sure he'll be much better. Well, I know they I tested seen him, him on the Falcon, um, and I know that the new fellow that plays Chewbacca is a few inches shorter than Peter Mayhew. <laughs> so that could could all work itself out. And also, um, I read Luke Skywalker in the Shadows of Mindor, and I am perfectly willing to walk into that theater going, this is a biopic where someone else is playing Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think we'll I can frame see. it however I need to if it, you if, can. if it doesn't work for me. I am I'm skeptical, but again, I do, I, I have trust in what's going on at Lucasfilm right now, and of course I'm going to see it. The question is if I'm going to see it once or twice, or if I'm going to camp out at the movie theater all day long for a few days, like I've done exactly. for some other movies. Wow. Exactly. So I'm, I, I'm still cautiously optimistic. So I think, I think he'll do a good job because I have faith in Lucasfilm. I'm sure uh, he was the best person they saw. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Sadly, oh, he's sure. not Harrison Ford, but nobody can replace Harrison yeah, Ford. So hopefully he can, that. he can portray a, a decent young Han maybe. Um, John Boyega, they also brought out on stage. And John, I don't think you could have kept him out of there with a baton. Like, no, no. And he, he, he walks up to Alden and, and is like, uh, oh, man, you're playing Han Solo, man. That, just like you're smiling, just like him. You know, he's like yeah. it, 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 he got so excited. Um, he is. And then, of course, they brought out Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and, and Millie Hamill and Gary Fisher. Yeah. And the, the crowd you know, went wild about Boyega and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. It, it was really great. And they took a big group photo and uh um, uh, and then they they did the closing ceremonies with the the recap of celebration and and then that's a that's about it. Um, I mean there were there were so many panels that we can't even go into all of them, but those those I think are the, uh, some of the biggest. We had a post celebration meetup with Mark and um, and Steve Sansweed, Pablo Hidalgo was there, uh, of a bunch was. of people from Lucasfilm. Wow. Um, Leland Chi. So you know, it was great to see everyone uh, after at, at, at the meetup, and uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's the best part of celebration, right? It's just getting to see all of your friends. It's it's the Star Wars content, but it's also the connections and and everything. Yeah. See, Tom, you don't know this, but I've been trying to meet Pablo Hidalgo, mm-hmm. and we were really gonna try to make it work at celebration, and then it didn't. So I'm gonna continually rib William about this. <laughs> Hey, well, hey, I, I offered to introduce you, but, you know. There wasn't time. There, he was, was the busiest guy. I was when I ran into Pablo, so <laughs> sorry. 
you know, he William knows I'll people. He'll, he'll hook you up. He'll he'll get it. He'll get it done. Yeah, he'll get it done. Anyway. Um. Yes. Other than that, uh, I think that's uh, that's that's about it. That's that's celebration, you know. Um, and and the the ninety minute queue to get in the store if you wanted souvenirs was yes, actually worth the wait. It was it was long, uh, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, they had a lot of good stuff. The um, the loath loath cat plushy and that was that was a big hit and all sorts of things. So. I brought extra luggage to make sure I could co- come home with adequate low cat <laughs> I did. I literally brought an extra bag so that I could. Smart. Very, out. very, very smart. I got one for myself, one for my kid, and then one to send to uh, Katrina Dennis in California because she wanted <laughs> Nice. That's too funny. But yeah, um, man, it, Celebration was fantastic. And it's hard to believe that we are just... A few months away from the next celebration. Hang on, right? hang on, it, hang on. I'm actually here. I, I, I know I, I've been listening, but I was on the uh, Rebel Legion uh, website, and we are now from Celebration Orlando, 256 days, 19 hours, wow. 45 minutes, and third, 28, Just a little over 26. eight months. It's hard to believe. Yeah, that's how many days we're away. And if you want to know about Rogue One, we're 138 days, 20 hours, 33 minutes, and almost zero seconds. So, yep. Wow. Yeah. And it'll be out a day earlier here. Oh. So, so, so I'll watch it. And no then... spoilers. I was actually really good with The Force Awakens. I was fortunate I have a friend who reviews movies, so he saw it even a day before I did. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't give me spoilers, which I still am mad at him for. But <laughs> So I had somebody, one person, that I could text and be like, oh, my God. Please well, live through this trauma with me. So I'm pretty good about not spoiling people who don't want to be spoiled. But I'm also available via text and Twitter direct message if you if you need the spoilers. Uh, I don't <laughs> if you need, need to know. I had about 15 people message me and be like, okay, I need to know this one thing. Yeah, I wow. think I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Well, hopefully, hopefully, um, you'll all be at Celebration Anaheim. Um It'll be uh, it'll be quite uh, it'll be a great time. It'll you mean be, Orlando? You know, sorry, Celebration yeah. Orlando. If it was if it was coming back be... to Anaheim, if it was coming back to Anaheim, oh, I'd be there. <laughs> Orlando, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I, I, you have a continent in the way. I have an ocean. Yeah, so. you, you've got the pond. You have to cross the pond. The pond, yes, the pond. Yes. Well, hopefully those trips will still be doable because uh, Celebration Orlando there you go. will be uh, will be fantastic. But I think with that, we have to wrap up this episode of, uh, of Ion Canon. It was a nice long one recapping our Celebration experience, almost two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, stay tuned. Uh, after the break, we will uh, have our exclusive interview with Sam Whitwer from the Press Line at uh, Celebration Orlando. Uh, uh london uh, celebration europe so um stay tuned for that in just a moment before we uh roll that um amanda thanks again for joining us do you want to say where people can find you um usually i am on twitter during all waking hours of the day that's at amanda the ginger and um you can find my writing all over the internet awesome cool very cool and with that uh tom thanks for joining us as well for, oh, no problem uh, Providing the uh, the the home experience perspective for celebration. Yeah, and if you and, if you uh, want to hear more people doing the same thing, check out the Star Wars report because I was on that with uh, Nathan 
and uh, Mark and uh, Cloud. Seed yeah, Sino. that was a that was a great episode. Thank nice you. Do- nice job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we we basically just sat down and and it was the Couch Potato Guide to Celebration Europe, and uh, it was fun. It was fun. Very cool. Well, uh, with that, we'll be back with another episode in uh, probably about a week or two. Yeah. You know, a couple weeks. Yeah. So with that, we'll talk to you guys later. Yep. Hey Sam, uh, William Devereaux from the Ion Cannon Podcast. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, so in the Clone Wars, you did an amazing job playing Darth Maul. Uh, what was it like to reprise your role as now just Maul in Star Wars Rebels? So much fun. I think the coolest thing about it was that when I would be doing Clone Wars, I was very, very worried. And, and I didn't, you know, you're making the character, you're creating the character, so you don't quite know him yet. So... I would be doing takes and stuff and then excuse myself to go to the men's room and it, I wouldn't have to go to the men's room. I would just be practicing. I would just be like, okay, how does he sound and what is he? how is this going to go and I'm going to start with the Sarah Finowitz voice and then build off that. And at this point, I, I've got him. He's, he's there. I know him. So now it's all about like, what else? Where, where can we take him? Where can we send this guy? And, and it is fun to arrive and just suddenly command up this character that you're like, God, I really, I really seem to know this guy. This is really fun. So there was always an effort to show new things with Darth Maul. But now I think we can take it radically in different directions because I feel a sense of freedom that I, you know, that's kind of new yeah. because these, that this guy's been with me for a while. Yeah, and I love what you guys did with, with Maul in the, in the season two finale where, you know, you never really know, is he good? Is he bad? What's right. going on? What's his plan? Like, you almost start to believe him and then, you know, uh, he, he starts to grab Ezra and he's going to drop him when he's holding the holocron. It's mm-hmm. such a, a good uh, back. Well, and I, the argument that I make is that if he can, if he can end emulate sincerity and goodwill that well he has to understand it on some level yeah yeah he, he almost is like a, a, like a an evil yoda in some way sort of the way, the way he's played sort of yeah i mean the big objective there was that if if he didn't play it sincere then ezra would have come off as quite an idiot for going you know but the thing was is that it was again this is a guy who's been through a lot and we've been with him as he's been through a lot so he has reflected on these experiences and where he lands in the spectrum between the light and the dark that's for the audience to guess as we go forward now obviously you can't say too much about season three uh, as an airship can you give uh, people a little bit of tease I mean he's, he's on the posters he's going to be a big he's going to play a big role I think Dave Floney said he's going to um, be a fairly large presence on the show this season here's, here's the thing you got I mean, Thrawn really is the front and center villain against the rebel, the fledgling rebel alliance, causing military problems, all that stuff. Darth Maul is a theological problem. He's a he's a philosophical problem. He is a he's throwing a monkey wrench in everything that Kanan is trying to teach Ezra. Because as you can see in the first episode. Ezra's experimenting in ways that he shouldn't. And where is he getting that? He's getting it not just from the Holocaust. He's getting it from having seen Maul in action. Right. It's a little scary. Because here's the thing. Maul is, at this point, the only classically trained force user that comes into contact with the show quite a bit. Ahsoka was there. She's gone now. 
everyone else is like a half trained. They don't quite know what they're doing. They're learning things. They're figuring things out. They mess things up. Maul was trained from the beginning to be a Sith Lord. So if an Inquisitor shows up and Maul's there, Inquisitor's dead. Right. If so, you know, if Kanan doesn't get a lucky shot, he's in trouble. Um, so Ezra's seeing that. It's extremely compelling. Because Ezra's been being trained by this guy who himself is partially trained. Right. He looks at a fully trained Sith Apprentice and goes, is there anything we can use that he's doing to help us defeat the Empire? There's got to be. Look what he's doing. We've got to learn from our enemies. And Kanan's like, we really shouldn't. You don't understand how You don't get what's actually happening here, you know? And, and uh, But it's very seductive for, for a young boy to see how effective it can be. Definitely. So. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. I was just talking with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on this show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2016.